Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Clear Skies, our Streampunk's Star Trek adventure live play. I'm here with all my best friends, who I love so much or haven't seen in a million years. But uh, we're here to play Star Trek tonight. Um, before we get started in our real announcements, I want to let everybody know that I came up with a very simple system to decide this. But those of you who have been paying attention to roleplay chats in the Streampunk's Discord, which is available through our Patreon, uh, You'll note that I announced in this coming, this the, the, the time passage between the previous episode and this one, that there was in fact a Parisi Squares tournament between three Federation vessels that were on their way back to Space Dock. And tonight, after comparing security stats, I rolled dice and subtracted security and decided whoever rolled the lowest was going to make their way through the tournament space. And right before the game went live, I have the winners. Um, but we will get to that momentarily. Before then, I would like to find out who's got announcements tonight and who would like no, to share. No, no one has announcements. There are no announcements tonight. <laughs> Sam is like, shut line. up and tell me who fucking won the Breezy Squares tournament. <laughs> uh, go ahead. What's up, Aki? I have an announcement. Apparently, last week we missed an opportunity to say happy birthday to a very important member of our crew who had a birthday instead after the episode. But it is now this episode, and I have to say, happy belated birthday to Ravity Damsay. Who is that? Is that a... He plays this character that's, like, kind of unconventional for Star Trek as a Federation officer. It's like this Cardassian character. It's pretty Heather, cutting edge. And... A Ravdassian, one might say, which almost yeah, yeah. sounds like a new dinosaur species. Which, mm -hmm. by the way, Rave, who plays clever, almost almost overshadow, overshadows their amazingly depth, like interesting character, River, on uh, Predation. It's hard to say because you do such a good job playing a tiny little Bambi Raptor, Rave. Um, yeah, happy belated birthday, we love you. Happy you made me feel so special, you're amazing. Also, shout out to Bonnie, who bought me lunch on my birthday day, and it's because of her I could have my favorite cake in the world, which is a tiramisu. And so, thanks, Bonnie. Bonnie's such a good friend. Holy crap. Bonnie's a great friend. I like cried over the as I ate this cake. It was, they were happy tears, but they were, it was very good. Um, tiramisu is the cake my parents had on their first date. Anyway. Um, yeah. Since we're on the, the subject of birthdays, I want to wish a happy birthday to one member of the Ox crew who has been with us since TBD RPG, who is a dear friend of the group. Happy birthday as... We know that you and uh, your Australian life mate have moved into a new <laughs> domicile with uh, your extended family, your roomies. Uh, just wanted to wish you a very happy birthday. We miss you and we hope you're doing well over there across the pond with all of our other Ox crew. Um, who else has any announcements this evening? Because y'all are all doing stuff. You've got one more episode coming up of The Puppet Show, right, Gina? Okay, I just want to state that I went and watched it, and you were absolutely right. And my favorite moment of the episode, and it's not I'm not trying to be biased because uh, everyone knows that I think so highly of her, but I have to say, watching Whittle Quacken eat uh. every ounce of flesh off the body of a poor <laughs> individual from ankles to foot, uh, ankles to head, was, was quite magical, quite magical. Yes. I told you. I told you. <laughs> I told you you needed to just enjoy it and watch it and consume it with your eyeballs because Rachel Seeley is a gift 
is a gift. I've been saying it. Um, <laughs> so when can um, we watch? Uh, when can we watch your show? Uh, yes. So you can watch the last two episodes. This is a three-part uh, sort of campaign. Um, uh, Xander is is also a member. If you guys want to just check it out, um, it has been a puppet. Uh, extravaganza called uh, Total Puppet Chaos over on Pixel Circus. Um, and uh, I believe you can just watch the VODs um, uh, and, and and catch up. We've got one more episode coming this Friday at 6 p.m. Um, I Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> um, some spoilers, but everyone is now in the underworld. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I did want to say too, uh, Gina constructed all of these amazing puppets that we use for our characters. Yes, but the newest puppet that was the addition was Whittle Quacken, which you did yeah. in like four hours or something. I mean, yes, uh, that was a wonderful unlock from our community. I said if they, um, I would make an animal companion for our crew next week, and I made I made Whittle Quacken in about an uh, in about. Yeah, a little under four hours. Did Rachel and... come up with the name? Because you seemed quite surprised. Yeah, <laughs> no, I told uh, I told Rachel that she could pick uh, the name uh, that I would write the character sheet, but that she could um, decide, yeah. you know, everything else about them um, w without, you know, having to, you know, take some time out to, to it, make it, a character sheet. But um, <laughs> yeah, amazing. so 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 she just said she just started speaking and she actually didn't even write it phonetically. She just that's what she said. And we were like, well, that's how it's spelled. And mm -hmm. that is your name. Widow Quacken. So, yeah, no, that was that was a surprise. I like, you know, got to let your players. She specializes you. in adorable things that murder. I have noticed. And eat. Uh, murder yeah. and eat. <laughs> murder and eat. All right. So what else we got, y'all? What else we got going on? Yeah. I think I have, yeah, Xander has something. Yeah. Okay. On uh, right. Wednesdays, I've got my Pathfinder series that I'm doing with Paizo officially. Uh, it's on the official Paizo Twitch channel. Uh, and we started at 6 p.m. Pacific time every Wednesday. And then Friday, Total Puppet Chaos, 6 p.m. Pacific time as well. All right. Sweet and straight to the point. Who would like to go next? Good. Um, so, hey everyone, tomorrow, Tuesday, here on Q Times at 5.30 p.m. PST, um, come watch Phoenix Dawn Command. Um, me playing Murder Child, um, everyone else playing Phoenixes, but also like their own variation on murder child. Are we not all murder children at the end of the day? Anyway, um, it's a brilliant game written by Eddie Doty and uh, like uh, led by Eddie Doty and I uh, recommend you come watch it. Um, my second announcement is I have switched to a swivelly chair and it is very distracting. <laughs> and um, so I'm so sorry if I float in and out of frame tonight. Important information. <laughs> this, Ray, I don't know if you've noticed, I've been in a swivel chair from the beginning and this is all I do. My ADHD does not let me sit still. Oh my God, this is, this is, this is this is dangerous is all i'm gonna say anyway yes tomorrow phoenix dawn command come watch us you guys <laughs> all right uh, on wednesday if you don't want to watch xander you can watch me on two <laughs> times <laughs> right here um denver by night is on wednesday nights i uh, we've had to cancel the last few episodes due to uh some personal reasons of of things and whatnot but um hopefully we're up this week i don't know i'm assuming we are come see me be a vampire and then saturday is dragons and things and uh i think this saturday we are dark for thanksgiving weekend but 
Come see us have chaos next week. Sweet. Aki? So uh, I can't go into a heck of a lot of detail about this, uh, but I can tell you that starting next Wednesday, you all are going to see me uh, taking part in what is going to be the playtest of a brand new tabletop RPG system. Can't tell you any more than that, but I'm very excited. It is a cool project and I cannot wait to tell you more, but please stay tuned to my socials because uh, it's gonna be wild and I'm really excited about my character. Um, also, uh, if you didn't know, uh, obviously because of Thanksgiving this week, uh, we are not going to be live over on D&D Twitch with uh, A Darkened Wish. You can catch us again next week at our usual time at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Um, yeah, post Thanksgiving madness. But yes, those are my announcements. Uh, my last announcement is this Saturday is going to be the final episode of Secrets of Silver Creek. And that show has become uh, a gem. It's just become something we did not expect to grow into something that we've fallen in love with. Um, every time I, I was telling, I was telling Sam, well, the reason why I say that is because I was telling Sam this the other day, but like Saturday morning, I just want to sleep in and I know the show starts at noon, but I got to do GM prep and everything. And so every time, every time Secrets of Silver Creek is about to start, I'm always just like, oh, guys, I just want to let you know my energy level is real low. I'm going to do my best today. Five minutes into the into the game and I'm having such a good time watching Steeny and Tago and River and Clever and Goose. And, gosh, y'all's, y'all's characters are amazing. Penny. Um, I'm going to miss nine so much that in Kylosaur that just stomps around like a big dummy and damages everything and acts like a three ton puppy, which is dangerous. <laughs> um, it's, it cracks me up. Uh, the game has been a blast. We've been having such a fun time playing it. So, um, you have some time to catch up. Um, it is going to be the, the finale of the game It's going to be this Saturday at noon on Q time. So don't miss it. That's the only other announcement I had for this evening. Would any, anybody else got anything they'd like to, I see the hand, Sam. I see it getting ready. I see it getting ready to raise. Go ahead, go ahead, do your thing. What, what you guys something to say? I'm excited. I had a feeling. Don't ask me how I knew that. Don't ask, don't ask. I, I deal with dark forces. Let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies.
I'll go ahead and start with the results of the of the tournament. After taking three injuries that took three crew members out of duty, I'll leave it to you, Ox crew, to decide who was on those teams. But the USS Ross actually won by one match. By one match. You guys beat the Thunderchild, who uh, their their team... Uh, poor Johnson crew got eliminated pretty quickly. I feel bad for them. But uh, yeah, after doing some of the dice rolls and making this quite simple, using 2d6, I triangulate, I basically calculated what in... It's inevitable that an injury is going to happen per EC squares, and the dice of Star Trek Adventures actually give you the option of possibly not taking any injuries. However, everyone took one. <laughs> the funny thing was is that Johnson took one injury, <laughs> the Thunderchild took two, and the Ross took three. So on 2d6, hey... Not bad. Um, I can hear Captain Soul in my head going, whatever it takes to win. Yeah. But I the would injuries... never say that to my crew out loud. Oh. That would be irresponsible of me. But you know what I'm going to do? Before I jump into the recap, I'm going to spend one threat before the game even starts and say that one of those injuries was Lieutenant Commander Prawl, <laughs> who insisted on playing. No. That's amazing. amazing. Which means he finally went to sickbay, and I was able to get him sleep guards for when he sleeps with his clenched jaw. <laughs> Doctor recommendation. All he had to do was play a potentially life-threatening sport <laughs> to get him into sickbay. <laughs> I'm so happy he's found a lovely outlet to have fun. And now mm. he doesn't get to nag at me nearly as I much hate, after this. I, I like the, the like, my personal head canon is that, like, some people definitely organized this tournament just to get Prawl. <laughs> <laughs> they called in some favors oh, across the Johnson and the Thunder Child. They're like, listen, our chief needs this. Our security chief really, really needs this. <laughs> Can you just let our Andorian beat the hell out of you guys for, like, three hours? <laughs> and he's, we going, will... he's going to get Lockjaw. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So to give a quick summation of what took place in the last episode, or rather a summary of what took place in the last episode, uh, the Ross helped rescue the USS Thunder Trial from a situation that could have resulted in its destruction. The Thunder Child had sent out an SOS. The Ross traveled as fast as it could. You guys have gotten a bit of an update on what it was like being on board the USS Thunderchild during the event. The Thunderchild had to survive almost a week in space being constantly hammered by solar flares from a newborn star, which had disabled the ship. These plasma energy storms that were emitting from this, uh, this protostar were on par with a lot of the dangerous plasmonic activity that is a, that has been recorded in the Badlands and the Beta Quadrant. Badlands is an area of space. If any of you, uh, quick reference for anybody who may not know exactly what the Badlands is, if you have seen uh, the movie that came after Star Trek First Contact, which I'm blanking on the name. I'm not doing too good on names today. Uh, Star Trek Insurrection. That movie focuses on a world they discover in the Badlands. Badlands is, think of a nebula basically made of dangerous gases and plasma fire. It's kind of the Badlands. It is a very dangerous stretch of space. The Federation has learned how to navigate it. Thunderchild apparently was struck rather 
suddenly. The Ross got a good taste of how the Thunderchild probably didn't was not prepared for what they were encountering. And that system has since been quarantined off. They've put a warning dissuading any ships from getting going anywhere into the system. Not going to be difficult. The creation of that protostar is so violent and powerful that any ships entering that system do so at their own risk. And the Ross, y'all remember correctly, when you tractored the Thunderchild out of the system, had stretched the power systems of the Ross to their limit. You guys were actually running low on power by the time you got out of that system. After warping there at max speed, using your tractor beams, extending your shields to protect it from these dangerous solar radiation flares that were hitting the Ross, you managed to save the crew. However, there were casualties, the first recorded Federation casualties in the Shackleton Expanse. So it is a grim milestone, but also a quick reminder of the dangers of interstellar space travel. No matter how great and luxurious and beautiful and powerful your ship is, outside the walls, outside the hull of your ship, nature is going to constantly test your will to survive. Unless you're Exio, in which case you can surf on the saucer section and have tea. <laughs> have holographic tea if you like. Um, the trip back to Starbase 364 was a time of reflection and a time of regeneration for the ship, literally. Uh, the Ross's engineering staff got to actually use that time on the way back to get finally those high definition sensors are up and running they are at maximum efficiency right now they have not had any problems since their power was restored after getting knocked out at the uh, at the system rescue of the thunder child and as a result a curious side effect of having this brand new sensor suite installed is the return of a very familiar sound effect on the bridge of the Ross as it is constantly pulsing and sending out scans um, into the Shackleton expanse. It has been a lovely time to be a science officer on board the Ross. The high definition sensors can read up to 75 light years away with perfect clarity. It is a gift. No more guessing at what resolution and what you're seeing far, far beyond the confines of normal sensor readings. Lacat, you have been getting sensor readings, planetary disturbances that are happening 75 light years away in just 45 minutes as if you were scanning them from orbit. It is decadent. And you and Dr. Yada in particular have been giddy. In fact, there has at least been one session where once you were off duty, I imagine you and Yada probably just scheduled some downtime where the two of you could just go through sensor scans together and have like a meal while y'all were just like look at this one oh my god look at this one look at this one <laughs> like just flipping through all of the possible worlds that could sustain plant life alone has been an exciting premise for the cat um what the rest of the crew has been doing in that time will let them tell us but a week after is when we are picking up about halfway through the journey, the USS Ross was given permission to break off and return to its position in the Shackleton Expanse with the Johnson basically finishing out the rest of the journey at that point. Uh, it would be another week. And, and at that point, too, it's worth noting that the crew had been stabilized the, of the Thunderchild and was being towed back to space dock by a Intrepid-class starship, which can do the job quite well for itself. And their athletes thoroughly humbled, yes. 
Uh, they're, athletes, they're athletes in better condition than anybody else's athletes because they didn't sustain injuries. <laughs> oh, they got one injury. Sore losers. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I imagine on board the USS Johnson, it was probably difficult to find people that wanted to play. <laughs> like, uh, can't we just ask the people on the on the Thunder Child to play on our behalf? We don't care. Well, now Thunder you're going Child. and making it sad, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> um. The Johnson has returned to Starbase 364 with the Thunder Child. And the Ross has been given the task that the Johnson was set to complete. And that task is constructing and establishing a brand new subspace relay station here in Shackleton Expanse. Which means your mission in this episode is going to be to proceed to the coordinates that the Johnson was originally supposed to be scheduled to arrive at this week and begin construction on the relay station. Construction time should take about a week. And it's going to be a lot of fun for the engineering team as once again, the engineering squad of the USS Ross is being asked to do some crazy cool engineering shit. Except this time, y'all are gonna be using worker bees and bots and floating in deep space as you literally build this out in the void. Good times. So if you didn't pass your zero-g training, or if uh, you're low-rated and you get sick easily, you will probably not be tapped for this job. But the Ross, we're going to start today's episode about early into Alpha Shift as the USS Ross is coming out of warp at the due coordinates, not in any system. You are in between systems right now at the due coordinates. You are two sectors into the Shackleton Expanse, so about two weeks away from Narendra Station. At this distance, this subspace relay station, as a backup to the other one, you guys should not be having any more problems communicating back to Narendra Station as you adventure further into Shackleton Expanse, at least not for a while. Subspace relay stations have quite the range and this one should help support the Ross anytime she decides to go into deep space exploration along with the USS Johnson. So, we begin tonight's episode with the view screen showing the Ross leaving warp. As you hear Vren say, arriving at the coordinates, Captain. Excellent. See anything? Okay. Yeah, can I, can I roll some stuff? Oh, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I just get chills every time I watch my crew adhere to standard Starfleet protocol. <laughs> Go ahead and make a roll for me, LaCat. This is going to be reason science, and of course, the Ross is going to be rolling her sensors and science. The difficulty is zero. Right. Get that momentum. You taking cool. it or am I? What's that? Uh, I was asking Xander. You am I rolling? Okay. Give me them rolls. Tell me what you get. You got a nice complication from the Ross. Oh boy, I got a nice the sensor system goes down. Oh um, no! Vrin <laughs> <laughs> just shouts at you. What did you do? Um, what'd you get? You got two successes. Two successes. And, and Ross got a twenty. Okay. Um. Again, by my own child. It's this freaking dice. I need to stop rolling it with the Ross. Bonus momentum for high resolution. Okay. That's correct. You get a bonus momentum for high resolution. I'm going to... I'm so, not going to make that threat. I'm going to activate that complication. 
Yes, I'm gonna. Okay, yes, I'm gonna activate that complication later. I'm gonna bank the complication. I could bank the threat and then spend it. Here, I'll just set it aside as a reminder. Hello, my cute little threat. You do All this right. on purpose. You do this to vex me. <laughs> Thank you for starting the game off with the complication. As you do a sensor sweep, there's nothing unusual in the area. Nothing is unusual coming up on sensors. Um, you're detecting standard particles that are found out here in space. Nothing interesting, unfortunately. Or fortunately, depends on how you look at it, the cat. But yes, you're at the arrived coordinates, and the Ross is currently at uh, station keeping. Well, looks like it's all clear, Captain. At least nothing's going to be, you know, getting in our way anytime soon. But I'll keep an eye out. Grand immediately looks over to you and says, I really wish you wouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like every time I have said, this is going to be fine, it has turned out to be not fine. So I've just kind of gotten rid of that. Uh, but, you know, you could fly us out of anything that comes our way. I'm pretty sure about that. I really wish you wouldn't say that. <laughs> he turns back to the helm. <laughs> Feels like you keep asking the universe to keep getting bigger at whatever it's going to throw at us. I'm just saying. Not that we couldn't handle it, but now I've. No, now I, I can. No, I'm saying you can fly us out of it. I think you could fly us out of it. Yeah, okay. I could probably fly you out of it. Yeah, you could probably fly us out of it. I could probably fly you out of it. Yeah. 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 Um, hey, Prawl's looking kind of relaxed now, huh? You both <laughs> glance back where Prawl is not on duty. <laughs> and you, you see, you see, in Prawl's place is a security officer from one of the other shifts. Actually, filling in for Prawl right now uh, is actually um, Lieutenant Roe Gers. Nah. You know, it's not the same without having him breathing down our necks. I kind of miss him. Yeah, it does feel less prawly in here. I, I right? Like yeah. there's a sense of impending doom. Like all our shenanigans just don't really have as high stakes anymore. If oh. there's no one there to really like care about them, right? Prawl who could possibly fill them with impending doom? <laughs> Should I loom? I'm not very oh. good at looming, but I could loom. I mean, I do love a good loom, but... They're digging themselves so deep now. Let's watch what happens. Uh, anyway, uh, sensors the chair. Sibling <laughs> the chair around, Vryn raises that blue finger and says, wait a minute. Captain, Commander, um, I don't know how you'll feel about this because it's kind of antagonistic, but um, could we all get like Commander Prawl like a fruit basket or something to get well? Yes. Uh, just yes. as a way, because they won the tournament, Captain. And I'm just, I was yes. just thinking. Oh, he's going to hate that. I love that idea. Can we send him a card, too? Just like, I'm missing you. You're both terrible. You can hear one of the ensigns in the back, <laughs> one of the ox crew just going. <laughs> what you do, lieutenants, on your personal time for your senior officer is none of my concern. What matters to me is what you do on shift. I can't be responsible for any cards or fruit baskets, honestly. Would you, would you like to sign it, Captain, once we make it? Please sign it, Captain. I sign a great number of things that come across my ready room. I 
couldn't possibly remember which is which. I, sir, you hear Asmi Shanta say from across the room <laughs> at her station, like hearing, the, hearing, hearing the plot being developed. And she just, with a smile on her face, turns back to her console and begins to go through more of the paperwork of the day for you. I think Olin just kind of gives a sidelong glance across the captain to the commander and just kind of just pats, <laughs> pats Patience's head. You know who would make a great fruit basket? Chief Tech. Chief Tech no, probably knows how to coordinate a really good fruit basket. Oh, I thought you, for, for in the context, I'm saying this out of character, in the context that you said that, I thought you were calling Chief Tech a fruit basket. I thought you were saying, you know who makes a great fruit basket? Well. <laughs> I mean, it's both right, you know? <laughs> um, he coordinates a good fruit basket. <laughs> As the lieutenant does have a point of all the fruit baskets, I imagine that the chief would make a very delicious one. Ooh, Solon could help. Oh, this could be a thing. He's going oh. to hate us, and I just, I'm so ready for the look on his face. Oh my Vryn, God. Vryn gets that like thing that Talison does when he's in the middle of saying something and then gets an even better idea mid sentence and just goes, Oh, we could, do oh. Oh, this would be good. This is a thing. <laughs> you see Vryn just kind of like, and without another word, he swivels back and he's like, yep. And you see the antenna kind of almost reach a point, which that's when like Vryn has got mischief, mischief on his mind. He goes, yep, yep. yep. He's got galaxy brain. Yep. 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 You're brilliant. She says from across the, uh, from across uh, her station and then swivels yeah. back around her console. He um, just whispers to you. He goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are. Anyway, since there's a clear captain. <laughs> All right, good. Then we can start readying the engineering crews for dispatch. In Cargo Bay 1, Chief Tech, you were gathered with the uh, Alpha engineering shifts. You do have the uh, crews manning, of course, the warp cores 1 and 2 are being taken care of. But your central construction main engineering staff is located down here. Now, of course, Cargo Bay 1, as it has been described many a time before, Shuttle Bay 1 is, yes, Jody, massive. This is where all of the main shuttlecraft are kept. I've described it the size of a convention center. If you get a look at the old Galaxy class cargo bay sizes, they are particularly huge. If I remember correctly, judging from the character sheet that I have, the USS Ross took expansive shuttle bays as one of its traits, meaning that it has the capacity to store uh, up to scale two vessels inside the shuttlecraft, meaning that I'm not exaggerating when I describe the inside of this shuttle bay. To give you scale of the size of the USS Ross, it is a small convention center um, filled with that echoing, like sounds of of people, crew members shouting out to each other and speaking on the loud comms, uh, letting you know that uh, work crews are moving through the area over here, coordinating ac uh, accordingly. Um, Cargo containers everywhere, shuttlecraft you can find. Of course, there's a Dana uh, Danube-class runabout that can be found in here. Uh, there is also currently laid out on the glossy black floor of this hangar the parts of this subspace relay station that are going to be taken out through worker bees, which, by the way, um, you can find ox crew. If you refer to your orientation packet that was sent to you by Asmi Shanto and uh, your captain, 
that will uh, that also it, this will be found on the Streampunks Patreon. This tells you uh, what is found on which deck, as well as a basic blueprint. You will see that in the auxiliary craft section, where it shows you what shuttlecraft can be found on board the USS Ross, there are worker bees and Sphinx work pods, which are currently being taken out of storage and placed down onto the shuttlecraft onto the shuttle pads to be used to construct this station. The Ross is uniquely qualified to do what y'all are doing. You've got a huge engineering team that at this point has become quite efficient at building hardware. Um, and at that point, as you're coordinating everybody, Chief Tech, mm -hmm. approaching you is Dari. She hasn't put her helmet on. She has a bit of concerned look on her face. And um, she walks up to you and says, um, the, uh, the crews are ready when you're ready to go. Sorry. Right. Um, I've been looking over some of the, the schematics and I just, um, I have an idea that might speed some of this up. And he actually turns away from, from Dari for a second and taps his communicator. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, chief tech to Exio. Go for Exio. What can I do for you, chief? Commander, might I borrow you for a minute in the hangar bay? Um, yes, one moment. Um, uh, see you in a minute. And, uh, uh, pardon me, Captain. And blip. <laughs> Holographic first officer appears right in front of you. Better than a transporter. Uh, good to see you, Commander. Um, good to see you. As you know, we're going to be working on these parts out in space. And, well, I thought that you might be particularly suited to watch over this crew, especially since all of us are going to be in suits. And uh, you seem to have a proclivity for hanging on outside of the ship anyway. It would be an absolute pleasure. Um, oh, great. Shipwalking is... One of my favorite pastimes, Chief. I think Ensendari here can help me modify some of these worker bees to have uh, holographic emitters that might be strong enough. Hmm. That would be wonderful. Ensign, we've just got a little bit more work to do, and um, I got this notice. I, I think I have to prepare something, so I'll be in the kitchen for just a second. If sure, you're about uh, to get to work. Can I, uh, can I uh, talk to you just for a moment? Just well, for a second. Sure. I just take several steps backwards. Hi, Commander. Um, Chief? Yes, is there uh, a problem? Yeah, I, I never got a chance to tell you this, so I'm just kind of bringing it up now, and I know it's a little bit last second, and I apologize. Um, you know, when I was, when I was uh, let me, let me, this is going to sound irrelevant at first, but let me work through it, because this is hard for me to say, okay? Oh, um, okay. I'll try to be, I'll try to be quick. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not comfortable telling people about weakness. Ah, I think uh, I know. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I was, when I was a little girl, um, my, my, my family is pretty diverse actually for an Andorian family. And uh, I have an uncle who's a Tellarite and he's an engineer. He had, ah. gets, he gets sick when he goes into space. You know, sure. he, and um, uh, I, I spent a lot of time with him. It's when, it's where I wanted to become an engineer. Do you see where I'm going? Do, I do think I do. I picked up, um, and look, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say no, sir. If you order me out there, I will do my duty to the best of my abilities. But I, I mean, I am so good at watching warp cores, sir. 
Ensign, I would like you to prepare this holographic emitter and then monitor the situation from inside the craft as Commander Exio, myself, and a small team of engineers will take care of the repairs outside. It's almost like it, she overcompensates a little bit by the sudden shift and goes, Aye, sir. And Ensign, if I yes, may, sir. it's not a weakness. The jaw clench, and she goes, no, no, it's not. There's actually a delicious Tellerite soup that is just as good coming back up as it is going back down. If you'd like to try some time, it's excellent in practice. Marlisk. Yeah, I, I know. I know Marlisk, yeah. I, well, there you go. I, that's how I experienced it. Ah, ah, oh, that adds a new depth. You know, thank you, sir. You're an excellent engineer, and I'm lucky to have you on my staff. That cracks a little bit of that veneer she's got, and she goes, Thank you, sir. Now get the kit and get to work. Aye, sir. And with purpose, she goes to grab the kit. I'm not eavesdropping, but I feel happy. You heard all of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come back. Come back to XTO. <laughs> uh, she just has a very large smile at you, Chief. Um, We've been working through some stuff. <laughs> you have an excellent relationship with your crew, Chief. It's thanks to you. How so? You've helped me to work through some things myself. I would have handled that situation a little bit differently, even just a few months ago. Well, I'm glad to hear our sessions are working. Me too. I couldn't take the stress anymore. I must say, and she just sort of is looking around, um, everyone's balance has gotten incredibly excellent. <laughs> the dance. <laughs> like what is gina referencing ah oh, quite yeah. quite uh excellent movement um, <laughs> as Everyone... if the whole ship were a dance partner <laughs> yeah. clear skies the musical Coming don't soon. tempt me i plan <laughs> events in the in the pavilion that's true jody made me watch cats oh yeah. good oh my god <laughs> Anyway, we're not going there. That's no, already happened a lot no, on my other no, show. We already did our Halloween happening. episode. We're gonna <laughs> speaking of cats, do that to. I would not do that to our poor doctor. Jellicles yeah. can and jellicles do. No, 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 no. Yeah, I got everyone dancing. <laughs> you detect four hundred million Borg cubes on sensors. Suddenly, <laughs> the skies darken. <laughs> Jane turns to run. And just points. It was <laughs> worth it. Okay, it we were way off the rail. <laughs> Here comes that complication. That one complication. Thanks a lot, Aki. I throw myself in a black hole. <laughs> we are the, we are the jellicle. Take cat. me with you. <laughs> oh, man. We, we are like, tonight. <laughs> there are two type. types of people on this crew. Those who do and those who don't. <laughs> We are. Dare you not partake in the Jellicle. <laughs> All right. Rat. So you coordinating the engineering staff, everyone starts getting set up and it is quite the ordeal chief. You are having to get people coordinated in two of the worker bees, but the Sphinx work pods are the ones going to be doing a lot of the refinement, but the worker bees have 
uh, weak enough tractor beams that they can help guide some of these parts out. Now, a subspace relay does count as a scale two uh, craft. So it is cramped here on the deck. A lot of it has had to be disassembled to be reassembled uh, out in space, which is typically how they're built together. But even with the Argo class shuttle moved to the side of Cargo Bay 1, it's still cramped in here. Um, lots of people moving around. Work areas have been sectioned off. And the engineering team is doing a damn good job of getting things up and going. So you're coordinating that. What is the doctor doing today, out of curiosity? Uh, the doctor has... Oh, am I muted? I... No, I no, muted? we didn't hear okay, you. Okay, okay, going on in sickbay. Main sickbay. Uh, thanks to the lovely nurse, Leah Skye, uh, saving my plants, I was uh, able to spend the week finally uh, perfecting um, this last batch of my medical tea leaves. So uh, it's a very precise, uh, like scientific formula that I use mm -hmm. uh, with with certain ingredients. Those ingredients that shall not be named, and and different things like that. So uh, I can make a little bit go a long way. So right now this is like the first batch that I'm like, I'm I'm working on and making, and uh, uh, finally, thanks to my irrigation system that I have in sick bay, I, I'm yeah. able to um, uh, get the first batch ready and I'm, I'm actually going to test a brew right now. Let's have you roll for this. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're like, what happens if I fail? Yeah, what happens <laughs> if I fail? Uh, I know. Inspired. Um, so okay. Bonnie, I'm going to have you roll control medicine. This would not be difficult oh. for you. Okay. The Ross is going to be able to assist because you are okay. using her chipboard systems. The you're going to be rolling computers and I think this would actually be computer science. Okay. And the difficulty of this is one. So y'all should be doing pretty decent on. Uh, we have two momentum now, just because it's sure. been a couple of scene changes. So I'm assuming we at least. Uh, no, I'm not going to penalize you that. Thank you for checking okay. in. It's always good to well, remind. Then, you. Go ahead and keep that momentum. Then now we have two because I'm going to take yeah. one. <laughs> because we run we run our Star Trek game very in, very episodically. There's a lot of like scene changes, and I, okay. I it's kind of a drag to like penalize you for every cinematic change we over we do, okay. especially because I'm initiating a lot of them. So go ahead and keep okay. that. Okay, and I got one more. Okay, um, I'm going to. I spent a momentum for cautious, so I'm going to re-roll my nineteen. <laughs> I'm assuming that my um, botany focus will come into play here. Yes, and probably experimental medicine. So I'm going to say that's a crit. Uh, that is one, two, three, four successes, and two from the Ross. So y'all are maxed out. Yeah. Okay. So that works quite well. In fact, I might say that you get a few extra doses out of that. That um, <laughs> Great. you weren't expecting. I got a couple extra leaves unfurl. I'm like, yes. oh. Basically, basically the, the potency of the mixture means you can save some of this for later and just reheat it. Oh, I see. And, and, and it'll, retain its, it'll retain its potency. That's what I mean. Lovely. Yeah. So out of this right. one leaf. Mm -hmm. mm. 
It's a calming procedure as you make the tea and as you sit back and sip on it, looking over a lot of the medical reports that have been coming out from the Ross lately. One of the things that you have noticed, Dr. McCrell, is that the crew, specifically over the past couple of weeks, morale on the ship has been higher than it has been since the Ross left space dock. And what you're noticing is some of the things that have been taking place in the Ross have actually started to build up stress, uh, have actually started to build up uh, more confidence in team unity. In other words, the rescue of two Federation starships, even in the face of loss and the, the discoveries that the Ross has been making lately, along with the triumph of diffusing a potential battle in space with a cloaked Romulan warbird, the crew's feeling pretty good about themselves right now. And installing those sensors didn't hurt either. All it took was a couple of dances and getting Prawl to sickbay. And <laughs> morale has never been higher. Which, why don't we say for funsies? He's still there. Prawl is still in sickbay. He is currently on one of the medical beds. That fruit basket's not gonna be sweet. Yeah, he he's currently he's no, currently on the we... medical beds. He looks like he's reading a data pad. He's kind of leaning back up against the wall, scratching the back of his head. You know that Prawl has been doing his best to keep busy. He does not like being bedridden, not surprisingly. Mm -hmm. And uh, every now and then he glances over at you. You can feel his eyes on you trying to get your attention, like he's waiting for you to tell him that he can go now. But after some of the procedures that he had in order to repair torn muscles and ligaments, you went ahead and will say, no, you need to rest here for at least. I'm just gonna look at him and like, you can see, like I'm starting to give like a knowing nod and then I go, <laughs> like almost evilly, <laughs> like, no, you're not leaving yet. He does the lip tuck of irritation, the signature, um, I guess I could throw something at him to test his reflexes, but I'll, uh, I'll leave my non, uh... That's what got him into this mess. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave those, uh, medical tactics for another day. And then just let him rest for a little bit. I know, uh, Dr. McCrell knows He's waving he's... at you. Yeah. He's waving at me? Mm-hmm. Doctor... Um, Fine, I go in. Yes, you stand up from your desk, leaving your glassed office, move down the bed, the row of beds, this expansive medical bay, hosting some of the more advanced medical tech in Starfleet. A nice, comfortable space that anybody should be comfortable in if they have to stay in sick bay. The and you approach the most uncomfortable looking trill you've ever seen in your life. He sets down the data pad and he says, Did Is I the... piss you off, Doctor? I'm sorry? Have I pissed you off? No. Is the environmentals not to your liking? I don't know if that's you actually saying yes. Prawl, you do not piss me off. I'm actually quite fond of you and admire you very much, which is why I am giving you one more day of rest. I know that you would much rather be on duty, 
but you, I've looked at your record, which is well, I'm sure you've looked at mine, and noticed that you have not taken a personal day or sick day in, can I look at his file and see how long it's been? Yes, since you left Space Dock, which, by the way, <laughs> was scrolling back to... <laughs> Scrolling all the way back, that was December 12th? That would be, no, no, this would be Stardate 58954.45. It is currently just past Stardate 59520.71. Thank you, Omnia. It is currently in the timeline of clear skies. It is around, it is mid-July, mid to late July in the calendar. Um, Prol, it has been over six months since you've taken any rest at all. And I know, I understand as a fellow workaholic that you like to throw yourself into your work, but this time your body needs a little bit of a break. Here, and I'm just gonna put some more pads on his, t- on his bed and I'll be like, Keep your mind busy while Do your I have body to stay... rests. Doctor, I don't have to stay in sick bay for this. I can go rest in my quarters. No. Because I know you will not do this. If you order me to do it, I'll do it. I am requesting you to stay for 12 more hours. Great. He gets up. You see him slide out of bed and he says, thank you so much, doctor. I will be telling the captain that you went against my request. Sounds good. <laughs> he starts putting on his uniform. <laughs> By the way, I don't want a fruit basket. And with that, you see him turn and limp out of sickbay. Taking Too a- bad! <laughs> I've already signed the card. <laughs> <laughs> Amazed at the scuttle, the speed of the scuttlebutt, you see Prawl exit sick bay and take a left, heading back to his quarters with his data pad in hand. I immediately That's put in his file and with a notification to the captain that Prawl, against my recommendation, decided to check himself out of sick bay twelve hours earlier. Okay. The path of notation. It was not an order, but I do want. Why he left? The passive notation is made. It is sent immediately to the captain's yeoman, who spots it, highlights it, looks at it, and goes sitting (laughs) sitting at her computer on the bridge, off to the side. Anybody who's listening closely can hear the soft voice of Asmi Shanto just go, "Oh boy." And then I'm also going to send another notification really quick. I request him not be put on duty for another 12 hours. If I can't force him to stay in sickbay, I'm at least going to passively aggressive keep him resting for another 12 hours from a distance. Okay. And also uh, no holodeck, no holodeck, no on duty, on duty thing. <laughs> he has to stay in his court. He said he was gonna rest in his quarters. He has to do what he said. He said he would rest in his quarters if you ordered him. Oh, 
No, no, that was not the way it went. He said he could do this in his quarters, and I say no. And you, yes, and you said no because you won't do that. And he said I'll do that if you order me. And then you said I'll request you to stay. And he said great. And then he beelined out of sick. Oh, he totally misunderstood. Damn my translator. Damn it. That was not what I'm I was saying. I'm picturing the going. Oh well, I did my best. Stop it. I immediately write Wait a minute. <laughs> I write a paragraph to the captain. Um, Let me explain. So as, as, <laughs> as, as Yeoman Chanto is in the middle of finalizing the summary of your notation, she's watching in real time as all of a sudden that small two-line sentence starts like filling out like someone just pounding away on Discord or something. Like, Wait a minute. He tricked me. Of like stuff this that's is been posted. And she goes, okay. And she Wait, just kind of this is what it. I said. This is what I meant. This is how he took it. <laughs> Make him rest. He will try to go on duty. Doctor out. With a little paw print emoji. <laughs> All right. As we as we slip closer into below decks. <laughs> um. All right. So, what are you doing right now, Ambassador? Um, I think the ambassador has sort of um, been rather introspective for the last few days, especially as the Thunder Child has sort of drifted back out with the Johnson to get their repairs. I don't want to say they necessarily avoided sickbay after the recovery of their commander, but they haven't been back. Mm -hmm. Um, and has since then essentially tried to busy themselves with just whatever happens to cross their desk. So uh, checking messages, um, flipping the little data rod that they have from Sorax through their fingers nervously, whatever they're in their office on the promenade, uh, very much sort of nervously trying to uh, avoid doing anything particularly important. Okay. Good deal. Um, as a quick note to the to the players, uh, Rave's power went out, so we're gonna wait for her to come back to before we get back to LaCat. But um, I will say that you you do get notified that you have messages waiting for you in, in the embassy on the promenade. Um, then they will, of course, uh, excuse themselves from the bridge uh, and let the captain know where they're headed and then um, head down. Arriving on the promenade, um, this place during off hours is always active now. The crew has been really good at finally using the promenade for a space to look after themselves. Uh, you've been seeing a lot more activity here. You're seeing more activity on the promenade than you normally see on the holodeck. There's a lot of, this has become a great socialized space. There are, of course, security teams by orders of Lieutenant Commander Prom. There is a circuit that is constantly run. There's a constitution, basically, from one end of the promenades of the saucer section to the other. There is also some events that have been taking place. When you enter the promenade, you, of course, are greeted by the same arboreal paradise that can get created by the holographic emitters here on the promenade deck, along with a few of the civilian shops that are starting to really start bustling here. Uh, there is the sounds of waterfalls, the sounds of birds chirping, 
There is even the indication, thanks to Exio's refinement of holographic technology, there is even the appearance of a steady breeze blowing through some of the large leafed plants from across the quadrant uh, that reaches up to the top of the promenade deck. It's quite lovely. And reflective of the fact that the Ross gets bonuses to diplomacy checks if you ever host any meetings here on the USS Ross. As you are approaching your offices, an ensign approaches you in a blue uniform, a Saurian. Hello, can I help you? Somewhat thin, um, looking maybe nervous, it's hard to say, but kind of fidgeting a little bit as she approaches you. She says, oh, Ambassador, um, I'm sorry, it's probably not protocol to approach you like this, but I, I wanted to make a request and I, it's an unusual request and I thought I might pose it with you. And you see the membranes of those big curious reptilian eyes just flitter for a second, indicating that she's got some anxiety talking to you, which you definitely are sensing from her with your empathy. Of course, can I help you, uh, Ensign? Oh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> Ensign Vexless. Ambassador, yes. Um, I'm a scientist. Actually, I'm, I'm currently, uh, uh, by request of Commander Exio, I'm currently uh, trying to decipher some of the linguistic codes that we deciphered during the encounter with the ice creatures in the last solar system we visited. It's fascinating things listening to the sounds of chimes in the air. It's quite beautiful and such a challenge. I can... I'm, I'm very excited to report my findings to the commander, but, but I'm sorry, I'm getting a little off subject. Uh, what I wanted to ask you about was actually, I'm putting on a play and it's an earth play. And I wanted to know if Commander Exio would be interested in being our Helena. But um, I don't know how appropriate it is to ask the XO. And I thought you being friends with her, maybe I could ask you if you could just give me some pointers on if it's okay to ask her. And if it is, then perhaps ask her for me, if that was okay. Well, firstly, my time with Commander Axio has, if it has taught me anything, it has taught me that, um, firstly, she she loves to interact with members of the crew, uh, regardless of their rank or where it is they possibly stand in the hierarchy of the ship. And secondly, if you offered her this role, I can't imagine she would be anything less than overjoyed. I don't think that you have any reason to be nervous. I think that if you approach her, probably slightly less nervously than you approached me, um, and offered her the part, I can't imagine she'd turn you down. She likes people who are straightforward and enthusiastic, which you appear to be to me. Yes. And I, I can't imagine she wouldn't be thrilled by this. I really can't. If if you were really all that concerned about how to approach her, I mean, you are doing work for her. 
obviously there is an opportunity when reporting on that work to maybe slip in a little bit of a of a extra bit of conversation i'm sure there's a way to do it that won't feel completely awkward and even if it is she's probably not going to point it out because that's just not the type of person that she is hmm you don't think it would be a breach of protocol to approach my exo and ask her to be in a play absolutely not i think that personal uh, i think that personal time is something that the commander uh truly about appreciates perhaps doing so on duty might be slightly inappropriate but i'm fairly certain she would be willing to overlook the slight breach or something as i don't want to say trivial because it's certainly not but as a uh, harmless as asking your commander to be part of an onboard activity that will bring uh, an extensive amount of goodwill and uh, happiness to the entire crew. Forgive me, Ambassador. Is Exio ever off duty? I'm not aware that she is. I see her in the counseling office, and then she's on the bridge, and then she's on the counseling office, and then she's on the bridge, and then she's in the counseling office. And then she is on the bridge. How have, how have I, like, what kind of uh, emotional vibes have I been getting off of the commander lately? Like, what, what, like, what have I been getting? Like, Do tell, there, Gina. Yeah, Do is tell. there any sense of, like, feeling overextended <clears throat> or, like, un, like... Um, I will say, yet yeah, no, Exio has not, does not need to sleep, but, um, however, I would say, um, emotionally, you're not feeling any stretching, there hasn't been any, you haven't been sensing any, uh, stress, um, more than sort of a normal level that I'm sure every officer on board is sort of ex exudes, um, but the good kind, you know, the working kind, <laughs> um, and uh, the alert, you know, we all have to be a certain level of alertness. So you, you've <laughs> sensed alertness, you've sensed um, curiosity. We've been working on a lot of projects uh, together. So there's been a lot of excitement um, uh, that you've gotten off of her. Um, I, I wouldn't say you feel uh, overextension or stress um, as you might have felt maybe a couple of months ago when she was. Um, but but Exio does make a point of regardless of not needing sleep, does need downtime. They just not might be at the hours that most of her officers see her. Okay. I guess it's important to remember that the commander lives a slightly different life than most of us mere mortals do. She works a lot, mostly because she's capable of working a lot, but I do believe that one of the values she preaches to most, if not all of her clients, is the importance of a work-life balance. I don't think that this will be uh, stretching her too thin. I'll ask her. Um, thank you. Of course. Thank you. Um, would you 
happen to have any interest in being in our production? Actually, I think that actually sounds very fun. Truly? We still haven't finished casting. Well, I'm happy to... I mean, if you want to do an audition, I... Audition? No, oh, heavens. I would just ask you um, oh. which part you would prefer to play. Um, I would need to get the ones we haven't cast yet. And she looks down and starts fidgeting a little bit as she's looking at our data pad and says, I can send that list to your office. Perfect. Of course. I'm sure there are other members of the senior staff that might be intrigued by the notion of doing a play. If really? you're, Of course. Are you serious? Some of them... You should definitely not ask. Don't ask uh, Lieutenant Lacat. She will. Don't don't ask her. She will. Chief Tech would be the perfect puck. Chief Tech would be a brilliant puck. You're absolutely right about that. Thank you, Ambassador. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. I'm glad I could help. And with that, Ensign Vexless. Sticks her head back down in the data pad, and you see the Saurian begin to rearrange some of the ideas that she had for her upcoming production of A Midsummer Night's Dream from the USS Ross. Yeah, who else already started fan casting as the scene was going? Uh, yeah. Like, legit, yeah. like the first and only Shakespeare play I've ever been in. Lord, yeah, I have a tech stock already be? going. So good. Everyone has to be part of it. I'll yeah. I I played Helena years ago. Did you? One of my favorite that. roles. That's why I freaked out when Eric said it. If you didn't see the little corner of my window of me, like my arms flailing. I was listening. I never got, never gotten to do any Shakespeare. Never. I. We it's one of my favorite that. shows. I will play any part. <laughs> McCall is in. McCall yeah, is in. I would in. desperately love to play in more Shakespeare. One was certainly not enough, Gina, so I feel you. <laughs> this was actually an Ox Crew scene request. This is from Hassan. So this is Hassan's character on the RP on the RP server. So there's going to be a Shakespearean, there's going to be a USS Ross production oh, I'm so of Midsummer excited. Night's Dream. Oh, I'm so excited. Fun um, fact, when I was creating Jane's character, I was looking for like things that she was interested in. And like there was a moment in time where I was like, I think Shakespeare is going to be the thing. And then I threw it out. And that's right. Jane is totally into Earth media. Yeah. 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 So for a second, I was like, maybe the thing that she's like hyper focused on Earth media is Shakespeare, but it's not Shakespeare. It's something else now. But uh, it's, I, I'm so happy that you brought Shakespeare back into this canon. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, all right, Ambassador, you enter your offices. You see a couple of messages on your desktop computer here as you sit down, swiveling it over and looking at it, activating it. And a few of them is just simple housekeeping, updates of what's going on at, at, in the embassy on Narendra Station. And one, one message from unknown sender. computer play message the very familiar voice of sorex begins to play there is no visual and you hear hello olin i hope this message finds you well things are going quite interestingly here on narendra and i thought i would might reach out to find out how things are going out in the shackleton expanse 
There's a small possibility the Klingon Empire might be making a move against the general in the next few weeks, which could result in, well, the general not wanting to go quietly, but I will keep you apprised of the situation. Be aware that Starfleet doesn't know this yet. This is my own keeping my ear to the ground, as it were. It's entirely possible that the general will reveal himself to be something of a coward and try to flee, but I have a suspicion that General Cargan has accepted the fact that the only thing he ever had of any value was his name and his breeding, as he would put it. And as a result, that is going to be taken from him as Klingons have but one punishment for the crimes he's committed. I'll keep you posted. Let me know if I can do anything for you. Sorex out. Olin is like pulls out the data rod um, that they have. And they're kind of. You've like, never looked at it, have you? I haven't. No, I haven't looked at it yet. And okay. they, uh, they kind of look at it and then sort of. And they sort of stick it in the port. And they still, they, they still, they wait. Computer, please open the data file. You see files open up, recorded messages that were pulled. These messages, um, judging from the description that Sorex has taken the liberty of inputting on here, these were messages that were deleted and recovered. In other words, the general thought he wiped these messages. There's only two. Um, Olin is going to, oh God, this is so stupid. Um, they're going to figure out what kind of security protocols they can put up to block people out of seeing into this room. There's really none. Okay. You could lock the doors. You could certainly. Yeah, they're going to lock the doors so nobody can come in. Yeah. And if there are a way to like darken the windows, they'll do that too. The windows um, will frost over, yes, if you order them yeah, to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they are going to uh, play play the messages. What's fascinating, Olin, is the chill that creeps up your back upon the data that you're seeing come through these messages gives context to the game that Sorex is playing. The smugness in Sorex's voice is coming from a place, and clearly this is it. What you see is coordinates and orders, transmission sent to presumably what looks like a Romulan ship of some kind, giving the approximate location of a Klingon vessel known as the IKS Borku. Um, it also references a Klingon vessel known as the IKS Kuvat under the command of Captain Tgal. Tgal is currently the captain of a Vorcha class Klingon warship, which don't mess with those. 
Those are the workhorse warships of the Klingon fleet and are devastatingly powerful. That ship has been dispatched to bring the IKS Borku back to back to Narendra Station. Does not specify why, but if a Romulan vessel was also contact with the coordinates, it can't be good. And this is all in the text read file. And it's kind of glitchy, glitchy looking because it has been marked for deletion. The second file, however, causes you to gasp because it's a video file. And as it activates, you see the face of a Romulan woman with blonde short hair and a stern look and cold, intelligent eyes staring daggers into the screen. It's, it, it looks like she's listening to someone speak who you can't hear. When finally she opens her mouth and says, these are not my concerns, General, and you were a fool to contact me from your station's relay. It is inevitable that someone will discover this. And when they do, you will die a traitor. Do not contact me directly like this again. I've already made mistakes cleaning up the messes of the House of Doros. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. I have my own problems here in the Romulan Star Empire, especially now. The landscape has changed and things are shifting against me. You handle this problem yourself. Do not contact me on this frequency again. And it cuts out. I think that Olin sits there for a long moment because they genuinely do not know what to do now. Do you do anything? Sorex was tasked with finding dirt on Cargan. Oh boy. Sorex is good at his job. He certainly found the dirt. Question is, do we leave them to clean it up on their own? I am so out of my depth. Computer, please begin transcribing a message, priority one, to, to Starfleet Intelligence, please. Okay. The computer chirps in acknowledgement, and that's where we'll leave that scene. Cut to... On the bridge, Captain, you're watching through the view screen as Cargo Bay 1 doors are opening and you're watching work crews begin to slowly drift out into space. You see a couple of the worker bee pods moving with a few of the engineering staff. Some of them have, in a very, dare I say, cowboy-like fashion, have decided to ride the sides of these worker bee shuttles to get further away from the ship. So some of them, instead of being inside are clinging to the sides of the hull as they just kind of thrust or push themselves out. Tech, are you one of them? Yeah, okay. Are you one of them? 
Definitely. And also, oh. you can, if you were to like come in close, you can see he's having a great time. Just, yeah. And then, oh, <laughs> oh delicious. <laughs> oh, God. No. <laughs> well, never, never let it be said that Tech doesn't absolutely enjoy his food. This um, isn't the first time this has happened. <laughs> there was a roller coaster incident, I think, too. <laughs> I there was the bumper cars. The bumper cars, yeah, the bumper yeah. cars on the holodeck. Um, tech. I like to think you plan your food meals around, can I puke this back up today? It's how everyone should do it. <laughs> um, Exio, your ring working beautifully as you stand on the hull of one of these shuttlecraft, literally like a surfboard, you're kind of glancing down. It is an interesting sight to see Federation officers hanging off the sides of these shuttles as they slowly thrust her into space, much like people in San Francisco hang off of trolleys as they're about to arrive at their, at their destination. It is a spectacular view, however, to be surrounded by the glory of deep space and distant nebula and to see the glowing hull of the USS Ross lit up brightly, to see those flashing lights over the name USS Ross, to see that registry number in X seven six seven one zero, it's a beauty. Of course, remembering that you are on a floating experiment of uh, a a city in space, the only one of her kind, and likely the only one to ever exist of the Ross classes. She is just the Federation's grand experiment, and anyone who's leaving that shuttle bay who gets that good look is seeing what Exio occasionally sees when she decides to go for a stroll in the hole. And you see the beauty of this ship as you're beginning to push away. Seeing the fine line of the Ross, those glowing nacelles, <clears throat> that circular saucer that's a little more reminiscent of a classic Constitution class now made Sovereign model on the top of this galaxy class shaped body. She is a beautiful woman to you. Just like fine fine ship quite lovely um what were the hollow emitters that dar ensign dari was working on um i'm wearing my ring but are we also testing out um emitters on the outside of the ship uh, that was yeah. the plan at least supplemental if the ring were to malfunction well no I, I i think that that's an excellent idea i do spend quite a bit of time out here and if something were to happen to my ring i wouldn't mind a backup mm-hmm <laughs> Okay. I'm sure the captain wouldn't mind either. We would scrub space for that ring. I understand <laughs> the <that's> irreplaceability. <laughs> um, we're outside. Okay. Wonderful. As things are moving about the bridge, you're getting handed a data pad by Asmi Shanto, captain. You just see a list of requests coming in from the crew. I mean, it is a quiet moment. You're basically just monitoring the construction of this craft. You could literally leave the bridge right now if you wanted, but it is fun to watch on view screen at, Mac at Zoomed In. You can see Exio just standing there <laughs> like she's riding a magic carpet or something and then seeing the crew members uh, just hanging off the side of the vessel and you see them tractoring out some of these large pieces of this subspace relay. Um, as you're watching that, very subtly, as Mishanto moves over to the science station and just delivers a data pad, 
And then she delivers a data pad to Vren, who takes it and says, oh yeah, no, I authorize the training of, if, they, if the instance want to get certified, I can teach them, no problem. Let them know. <clears throat> and he turns back. Asmi resumes her place up on the bridge. She gets a smile from the cat. What's that? She gets a smile from the cat. Okay. Yeah. You see on the data pad, it has a couple of readouts um, from the sensors that have been reported from the lower deck science teams, from some of the biological specimens that they've been scanning as test scans. You requested these uh, just like, because you've been running, you with Chief Tech have been constantly making passive scans on the sensor arrays. So you're getting the basic bio readouts here oh. of what you requested. Um, and at the very bottom of the information and at the last sentence, it says, can we talk later? <laughs> and I think that uh, from, is is Olin on uh, deck right now? Uh, Olin is not on the bridge. She's nope. not. I mean, they're not. Um, yeah. Well, if they were, they would feel the spike of dread and shame. <laughs> <laughs> but since they're not, she just keeps smiling down and like swipes up and uh, gets the, yeah, sure, on uh, the, uh, she sends, she replies with a yeah, sure, and then a 10 forward, question mark. Um, you just see a Y, which means yes, just appear on the screen. Great, 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 great. We're doing this. And then the science console begins to chirp an alert. In the exact same moment that it begins to chirp the alert, you hear a voice coming through on your comms of Dr. Yugos. Doctor? Dr. Yugos to, uh, to the science station. Uh, the cat, are you up there right now? Uh, yes, I am. You sound distressed. Is everything all right? No, um, I am detecting uh, an elevated influx of, of electromagnetic particles indicating the presence of a subspace disturbance just behind the USS Ross, much similar to what we typically see uh, back on Jashashi. Uh, it, it looks like it might be the birth of a new particle fountain imminent. At, at this moment, um, can, can Jane see if her scans are picking up anything at this moment? <laughs> Uh, well, as you know, the Dishashians are quite aware of how subspace works in ways that you are not. However, yeah. as you glance down, the chirping alert that you see on the sensors, it's not, mm -hmm. it's, it's either he has it wrong and hasn't seen one of these before, but it yeah. doesn't shake the feeling of dread you get when you spot it. Okay. Because it's, it's not an indicative of any kind of... Thing that you have all detected when running into particle fountains. In fact, what it looks like is a gravimetric eddy that is found here all over the place in Shackleton Expanse. These gravimetric eddies wreak havoc on shields and they cause subspace disturbances. And apparently the engineering crew on the lead shuttlecraft is about 30 meters away from running right into it and has no idea. Okay, um, yeah, Jane's gonna alert the captain immediately about this. Okay, um, alert and, the captain. <laughs> yeah, so uh, she hails the captain and is like, Captain, I think that we should get the engineers. Are you talking to, are, are, you, are you talking to Captain Saul? Yeah, Captain Saul. Okay, they're right behind you in the captain's chair. Yeah, I think she swivels around okay. and lets them know. Um, it's it's uh, Captain uh, Dr. Yugos has just alerted us to something uh, terrible. 
Um, and Jane's gonna send <laughs> uh, send her this data readout ASAP about how we need to get those engineers out of there ASAP. Gurs, can you get them on tractor beam at this range? Can we work uh, them back in? Attempting to do so now, Captain. Captain, I can't get a lock with the tractor beam. Oh boy. Okay. Um, Run. Can you barn swallow? On it. You see him start to accelerate through thrusters. However, as the complication is activated, Exio, you're smiling as you're looking down at Chief Tech when all of a sudden something catches your eye and you, you are aware of an alert being broadcast. And in your vision, you see an alert from uh, like a data feed in, your, in your, your ocular vision coming through as a transmission. The shuttlecraft is detecting a, a subspace anomaly or possibly an electromagnetic eddy directly ahead. You know what it is. You immediately register the danger you're in just as you all. <laughs> Chief, I need you to make a check. Okay. You need, this is literally to keep your grip on the side of the shuttlecraft. Okay. I need you to make a daring security check. Okay. And the difficulty is two. I hate this. We have all the momentum. Right. Um, I don't. Ha I have cautious engineering, so I don't think I can. Can I just spend one momentum for an extra die? Yeah. Like point blank. Okay. I Let's think see. you can probably spend more than that. You can spend three and have two dice. Oh, do we? Ha I had only that we had two. No, we 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 rocked it up to six <clears> after <throat> that monster roll for T, I believe. Amazing. Yeah, I will take I, all I got three. Good. Six okay. successes for T. Please live. The T earned your survival. Come on. Oh, three successes. Oh, what was okay. the difficulty? The uh, difficulty was two. Great. Gain of momentum. Chief, you <laughs> grip the side of the shuttlecraft as you see a warp in space happen in front of you. And possibly, you witnessed something happen that was not expected. <laughs> as the shuttlecraft contacts with this subspace eddy, you see it get swallowed. <laughs> and it's gone. The, the shuttlecraft? You, Exio, the worker B shuttle, vanishes as space just cool 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 Already <laughs> um see if there's any way we can trace them hold on to it we'll be back in 10 minutes everybody <laughs> Uh, we're gonna have to cancel our production midsummer night's dream the cast <laughs> sorry, just got swallowed um, into a I'm space so as me, like we had to talk, but this is so much more important. All right, we'll be back in 10 minutes, y'all. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. We're gonna go ahead and just jump right into what's happening here. When we last left off, the crew was in the middle of heading out just outside the shuttle bay to install this subspace relay station when they collided with what appeared to be a gravimetric eddy after the Jashashian. Dr. Yugas shouted up an alert to the bridge at about the same time. It was a little too late to get it out. Dr. Yugas seemed convinced that there was something happening in subspace. What the Ross detected is it was electromagnetic eddy that is common here in the Shackleton Expanse. However, 
One thing that happened that no one was anticipating, these gravimetric eddies function like speed bumps in space. This functioned like a black hole. We watched as the small worker bee craft with one ensign inside, a lieutenant on the starboard side, and a chief on the port side with Exio on top, drifting gently out into space ahead of the rest of the worker teams vanish from view. We'll start this off with Rave. I'm going to need you. I need LaCat to make a sensor. I'm going to make you, this is a scan check. See what Great. sensors are telling you. Great. Um, can I set a momentum for another dice, please? Thanks. The difficulty is one. And Ross is going to roll what Ross rolls for scanning stuff. Uh, does it matter of difficulty? Difficulty gonna... is one. And this does count as your sensor's uh, specialization. <laughs> I just want you to know, I rolled a two, a three, and a five. And with my sensor specialization, that means that all of those are crits. What'd you get, Aki? So, seven successes. Yeah, we're finding, we, we, we better sense something. That means we're four over for bonus, meaning we could create two advantages, two, uh, or create an advantage and remove a complication like the sensors being persnickety. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Great. I think we should do that because what else are we going to do with the spillover? No, I agree. Um, yeah, if we can make sure that these sensors are working perfectly so there's no complications in there. Honestly, the complication that I would love, no more gravitational eddy, but uh, that's not gonna happen. So, it does uh, happen. Your sensors detect that there is no presence of a gravitational eddy behind the vessel right now. Cool, cool, cool You do cool. detect the sign of an ion trail okay. that stops right where you saw the vessel disappear. Okay. Um, well, here's the thing is that, um, we can scan up to 75 light years, right? Um, yeah. yeah, can can I take that ion trail and see if there's at least anything within 75 uh, light years radius uh, that matches that ion That trail. would be an obtained information spin, but I would say yes, burn one momentum. Boop, please, can we burn a momentum, folks, for that? Thanks. In 75 light years, you're not detecting anything unusual. You're detecting, you're detecting Narendra Station, Okay. Um, you're detecting uh, like the, the 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 signs that ships have traveled through here at warp, namely okay. you. Um, and you're detecting a bunch of what looks like uh, you do detect a few distant subspace eddies. Some of these uh, gravimetric anomalies, I should say, more specifically. Okay, but no sign but of no that. signs of a worker bee craft. Um, dang, 75 miles. Okay, um, well, first of all, let's get Dr. Yugos down here as well, because he also seems to know a lot about this. Um, but Almost on cue, yeah. <laughs> the door, the shuttle, the, uh, the turbo lift door, and he comes dashing out breathless and goes, did they already go? And then and he runs down the ramp to where you are. <laughs> there's nothing within 75 light years of us at all. Um, no traces, but we were able to get some of their ion trail. Um, I'm going to just start looking at where the trail ends and see if there's anything we can find from there. 
Captain? Sounds like this is a good time for me to roll that Clarice check, Eric. Okay, what are you doing? Uh, attempting not to freak out over the disappearance of my XO and chief engineer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We're not cool, disappeared, cool, cool. are we? Yeah, y'all are super disappeared. Y'all are disappeared. Oh, I thought, oh, oh, my mistake. Yeah. My yeah. mistake, I thought just the shuttle disappeared and that we were on the side of the ship already, like on the Ross surface, because I usually just go to the Ross surface. No. No, I super just lost y'all. Ah. Yeah. I understand now. Yeah, I was no, like, I mean, just, yep. And Jane okay. trying to keep us strong for the captain. Maybe not working, but he's like, we're good. <gasps> yes! Oh my gosh, you amazing, wonderful, terrible Did you roll a one, or did you roll a 20? I can't tell. I rolled a 17 and a 20. Technically, no. the 17 does succeed, but the 20 fails catastrophically, my Claro's check. Oh, you brave little And nice. that effect that Orions can have through their physiology on the emotional yep. state of those people around them yep. happens. This is going to be uh, Lacat, since you're the PC on the bridge right now. This right. is going to be a combination of all the women in the world and your stomach going about six decks down through the floor with dread. That's what's definitely you right now. That's you said that right when you said it's all the blank in the world, all the what in the world? Dread. Oh, adrenaline. Oh, that was the first part. Yeah, we got panic and we have dread. Those are the those are the broad flavors we're working from, and we're pretty much just slapping them on you like that Gatorade thing they throw at the coaches during the football. Well, you know what? One of Jane's values is no stranger to war and violence. This is just taking her back, honestly. Great. Indeed. As we shanto, on the other hand, from behind you, Captain shouts. Prophets, and she puts her head to her the sides of her face and goes into a full breakdown. And it becomes clear at that moment what's happening, Captain. She looks horrified. Her her hands go to her face, and the rest of the crew around you <gasps> gasps as fear ripples out. Dread ripples out from everyone in the room. You can feel the crew around you starting to lose it as everyone gasping and you can hear like those whimpered cries of people trying to contain their shouts and frantic typing on the computer consoles to try to find out what's going on. The bridge crew around you, you see for the very first time ever, Lacat, a bead of sweat running down the side of Rin's face as he's going, okay, 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 I got this, I got this. I can land this, I can land this. Oh do the spidey senses tingle all the way up, uh, all the way down in the promenade? <laughs> that to, I will leave that to Sam. Yeah, how far does this go? Um, so that's dependent on your range, which established exceeds the size of the Ross itself. And like this feels pretty neon, given that it's happening to an entire bridge right now. And it was not just a failed Claros check, it's a 20. Um, Captain, I think that we should get uh, McCrell and Olin up here at ASAP. Agreed. Yes. Okay, great. Okay, great. Uh, Are you going to call them? Salt or... McCrell, here, now. Copy. 
I'm on my way, Captain. McCrell, you've never heard the captain like that before. Cat, find them. Now. Working on it. Working on it. Um, You've scammed the cat. They're nowhere. They're nowhere. There's yeah. nothing out there. The other engineering teams have come to a full stop. Okay, but pressure situation, like, again, taking the cat back. Like, let's, uh... Let's okay. Let's look at this end of this trail, and um, you know what? That's not that's not an okay answer. Just being like, I don't know where they're at. Um, that's not okay for her. And also, like, she's definitely feeling what the captain is putting down. So she's like trying not to let that affect her, even with her value. And so, um, I'm gonna say that. Uh, how, how's Doctor Yugas doing? Because she she's gonna turn to him because in many ways he's her biggest asset right now, and it like she needs to get him to calm the fuck down. Yugas further intensified by the onslaught of the physiology of uh, an Orion who is currently struggling to contain themselves. Yugos looks borderline panicked, like full on panicked. And he's stammering a little bit as he's trying to find his words and just says, you need to realign the master resonating subspace discriminator array you have one near the deflector dish on board your vessel that helps you detect subspace anomalies i'm telling you this is not an electromagnetic eddy i saw the telltale signs of subspace activity i'm i'm certain that that's what this is amazing um she is going to and i'd like to like try and roll a command check of some sort on him right now um like it's not gonna like go against like actual like biology like chemical biology but she would still like to try and just like center him a little bit more and so I'm she's gonna, gonna like take his hand like clasp him on the shoulder and like look him in the eye and like steadily repeat exactly what he said and is like i'm going to try that and it's going to work okay. um and so hopefully this will calm him down a little bit more and like have him thinking a little bit clearer. At least I'm going to spin two threat because you are not immune to the captain's chloros check failing. No, I'm not. I'm not. So She's trying I'm to keep going it. to raise the complication range by two. Yeah, should we just establish this as like a scene trait and then use it mechanically like that? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I, that's what like, I'm doing. Then like in that case, in that case what you I'll know? do is I'm going to spin these two threat and say that any presence command checks on the bridge as of right now are at an increased uh, threat range until the trait's removed. That feels fair. So, cool. So 18 or higher is going to be a complication now. Cool, 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 cool. And you were rolling against the, the doctor? Yeah. The Jashashian doctor from Jataren. Go ahead and make your roll. Oh, okay. What, am I rolling control command? Is that what I'm rolling? Uh, you're rolling presence command. Presence command. Oh. Difficulty is one, and it's against him. Okay, great. <gasps> Four and a two. Okay. He rolled a 20 and a 13. <laughs> okay, great. Great. That's so, for me, right? <laughs> I'm going to interpret this okay. as him hearing the panic in your voice, cool. and that causes him to basically for lack of a better way of saying this exio this a little bit and be like oh i gotta be strong for them uh she's panicking i need to calm the fuck down right. so he you turn to him and you're like what do you say to him um 
So I turn to him, and uh, it's 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 that panicked voice. She she like I said, she's she's repeating exactly what he said, and she's like, "I can do this. I can do this." And um, she's gonna like turn back with, like, and and just like, "Thank you. We're we are going to find them." And like, she does not sound like she <laughs> believes it at all, but she's gonna say the words and go through the motions of doing the action because that's what she knows how to do is just do the thing, even though you're like terrified inside and there's just dread 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 mm-hmm. um and so she uh she she says i i can do that um so she's gonna turn back to her council and um yeah i would i would like to uh i would like to try to do that with shaking fingers okay let's do it the cat yeah you don't remember being this rattled before since yeah. since before since before the sky became fire on Cardassia Prime, you don't remember. You look at your hands as you're touching the console, and you're not entirely sure where it's coming from, but you're just feeling this, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, this this urgency. It's not so much of a primal fear of we're going to die. It's, oh my god, oh my god, the kind of fear you might feel if you watched a loved one fall out of a tree, and it looked like they were about to land on their head. It's that sort of... <gasps> That, that gasp and frozen in that moment of that gasp as you're... Um, okay, so what you are doing, this is going to be a control science check. And for the Ross, this is actually going to be a computer's engineering skill. As LeCat is attempting to follow the orders and get that thing realigned to detect the presence of subspace anomalies. So the difficulty of this is going to be three. Um, can I, uh, whatchamacallit, can, do we have momentum to spend? Can I take us momentum for a third dice for that? Thank you. you um, a lot of momentum, I believe. Cause the yeah, scene hasn't ended yet. yet so you have, yeah. Yeah. The scene hasn't ended yet. Great. Perfect. Um, Okay, so that's one, two, three. Wait, uh, do do does any sensors sensors does that work? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, not here actually. No. Damn. Okay. Well, then only three successes. Well, that leaves you with five successes when you needed three. So gain two more momentum. <laughs> you begin to, your hand trembles a little bit, and Ugos reaches out and gently takes your wrist and guides you down to the computer pad, and. You're, when your hand, when your palm makes contact with the cool black surface of that station, the familiarity of your home turf, you find a little bit of comfort and start entering in the commands. You see the readout appear before you. You see the realignment happening as the program is executed. And sure enough, those high resolution sensors begin to detect the presence of a subspace anomaly, the residual fields of what looked like a pulse in subspace. You can spend momentum if you want more information, or you can... Yeah, spend yeah, let's spend the momentum. Yes. Yeah, we have uh, at least one floating. I think yeah. we have okay. two. Yeah. Here is, as, as you're entering onto the bridge, is everybody else, who else is coming to the bridge? I know Olin is coming to the bridge. I think I, uh, we ordered McCrell like real quick. Okay. I'm and uh, from what I can hear in the captain's voice, I'm going to assume it's something urgent. So I'm bringing a whole med kit. Okay. We're gonna get to the bridge here in just a second, but before we cut to our team that vanished, 
what you detect on those sensors is that that the sort of like the history recording of a subspace anomaly beginning to form and the sensor readout is telling you something a little surprising lacat the subspace anomaly appeared briefly just for a few milliseconds like a door opening and closing and what triggered it seems to be some kind of energy pulse that seems to have originated from Exio's ring. It's just shock. Like, I think there's just a red grape. You say that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> that out loud. Which does nothing to calm the captain's nerves. Yeah. Okay, well, the captain did this to me so the captain can sit with with the side effects. We will live in this vicious cycle. Yep, let's go, buddy. Yeah. Oh, um, no. uh, but what actually says is, what? I I think that technology is where um, some of might might have triggered this. Um, and she's going to pull up the readings that she just found. The data readouts that pull up, and this is happening just as Olin and McCrell are arriving on the bridge, but the data that gets pulled up, Captain, shows Exio coming into contact with one of these electromagnetic eddies that is here in the Shackleton Expanse, and the pulse that emits from her ring, which is mm -hmm. infinitesimal in, in the length of time that it happens, causes for the briefest of seconds that electromagnetic eddy becomes a door into subspace and yeah. they went through it yeah. the perfect storm we're a step closer from knowing where they are and we're coin to get them back. Yeah, to get them back. Olin is going to move up closer to the captain, but they're not going to crowd them. They're kind of going to take their chair, essentially, of the, I'm here now. Uh, two things, Olin. Okay. <laughs> Olin, you're, uh, just to give you some of the sense of what's going on, um, the entire bridge is overwhelmed with deep panic and anxiety. And as you're speaking to the captain to reassure, you are aware that your heartbeat has leapt in your chest. It is, you are overwhelmed by the emotions of the bridge crew, along with the chloros of the captain just emanating outwards, which brings us to McCrell. Uh, who, upon the entry into the bridge, McCrell, it is a wall of emotion that slams into you. It's, if you can remember what it's like sometimes when you're having a nightmare mm -hmm. and you're walking into a room and it looks like a room, but for some reason that room represents something to you. 
and your body freezes up in terror upon entering the room and you don't know why but it represents you crossing some kind of threshold it's the same intensity as mccrell steps onto the bridge and the chloros hits you and you feel this intense anxiety terror of loss of a loved one you feel this urgency like you have to stop it from happening um all the hair on mccrell rises Oh, like, like you know, when a cat tries to make themselves bigger, which is not a lot for McCrell anyway. But um, uh, okay. Who uh, there's two ways I could go with this, knowing where this energy is coming from. I'm gonna fight the initial urge, and try and get a hypo spray. <laughs> okay, you as you're programming a hypo spray. In full-on tears, Asmi Shanto runs down the ramp up to the captain and grips you, captain, by your uniform, grabs you roughly, tears streaming down her face, and in desperation, she starts calling, shouting at you, you have to get them back! You have to get them back, captain! And she is just, like, shaking you. You can hear the rawness in her voice and the terror and the desperation in her eyes. Can I take hands of Asmi? I mean, if you don't, Olin, Lacat is. <laughs> yeah, Lacat has a job to do. Olin, Olin's gonna gonna handle this. Okay. Asmi is reacting like somebody who just lost a child, or perhaps like a Bajoran who has seen some shit in their life, and is now experiencing this emotion again. She's desperate. She's looking for the captain to do something to fix the situation. It can't happen this way. As you reach over and kind of gently grab her, she forces herself to let go the uniform. She, was, she had your uniform cloth in a fist of desperation. She lets go, Captain, you've seen this before. She kind of pulls herself off you. She's just choking with sobs and throws her arms around you, Olin, and starts sobbing. You get the hypo spray, mm -hmm. you move forward, I'm going to just look the at the captain, with the like, with a knowing glance and just, like, kind of, like, in my eyes, apologizing, but at the same time, like, I have no choice, and mm -hmm. I'm going to administer the hypospray, just a, just a calming one, not, not like, to knock them out, just to... Yeah, it's to solve the yeah. issue at the end. Okay, yeah. so to remove this trait, you can use the hypospray, and it's going to cost you two momentum to create the advantage. I say... I say, let's let's take a chill pill, everybody. <laughs> the hypo spray immediately causes the Orion physiology to react to the chemical. And Captain, while you may not immediately feel a calming effect, you do feel that coolness of your body temperature starting to just maybe drop a degree a little bit as you were getting warmed up there. Everyone on the bridge begins to feel a shift. And even Asmi starts, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know. Captain, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. I, 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 don't, I don't know what came over me. You're all right, Shanta. We're going to get her. We're going to get him. Everyone feels themselves, including the cat, feels themselves calming down. Feels that sense of like, wait, 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 okay, we've got this, we've got this, we've got this. Olin, you start feeling, it's like the, the tide beginning to slowly drag back out to sea. 
And Chanteau just looks at you and says, thank you, Ambassador. I'm so sorry. I, I, uh, I don't know what came over me. You do not have to apologize. Let me walk you back to your station. Thank you. Yes. I still have uh, my hand on the captain's arm just with a like like knowing glance of like a thank you and an apology and mm-hmm. like I had no choice but if I did have a choice and I'm sorry and like basically everything just trying to just in that one little hand right Paul and okay. just take the deep breath look we need to get engineering notes on Exia's ring from the holodeck you come with me? Yes, Captain, of course. All right, let's go. Okay. And you leave the bridge. I'm going to let the air clear, so to speak. Okay. Uh, I think that's, let's see. Uh, Gers, how's the comm? Stepping into the turbo lift with the doctor. Doors closed. Shh. What deck are you going to? Uh, I think uh, those notes are stored in uh, hollow form. So we're picking sure. up out okay. of the hollow deck. Uh, from when we were going through uh, her. Oh, so you're going to. You're going to. Okay. So you, yeah. yeah. Basically, so I need one. to pick up engineering notes on the ring so that we can try to figure out more about the mechanism by which it had a subspace interact. Like, I. I ostensibly solving the engineering problem, really getting out of the room because I just did that and it's frankly embarrassing from a command officer. So I want to be not in there right now. Yeah. You step into holodeck one on deck 11 and call up the program. And as the program begins to form and you see the technical readouts as well as a representation of the lab in which Exio was developed, as the program activates, you see activating with the program is somebody that was not originally in the program. There is a man standing at about six feet tall with slightly curled brown hair and a red Starfleet uniform who just goes, I've been in there for so long. Try Carter immediately. You start scanning and he stumbles towards you, Captain, and grabs you by your shoulders and goes, you saved me, Captain. Thank you. Oh, I've been stuck thing. inside your oh. ship this whole time. <laughs> Wait, then I put the then I put the tricorder away because now I know who it is, and I'm. As you're scanning, you're detecting readings off the charts, Macrell. This does not register as human. I we know. And the, the the gentleman just says, "Be honest, Captain. Did you rub the holodeck three times before you released me?" Mm. We did not rub anything. Well, then how are you supposed to release the genie from the bottle, Captain? Do we need to do this all over again? I thought it was say your name three times or you rub the ship. Mm. We should check with a human. Unfortunately, we lost the holographic one of ours in uh, subspace. Yes. You wouldn't happen to know anything about that, would you? Oh, yes. Anything Can you elaborate, please? 
Oh, uh, no. See, this is actually the moment I have been waiting for. You know, a lot of things have to come into play. And when you look at the grand variables of the universe, you ask yourself, in order to get the desired result, you have to watch these sapient creatures find a way to throw this unusual variable that should not technically exist in this universe into a subspace anomaly or an electromagnetic field. And you have to ask yourself, well, when is that ever going to happen? And the answer, of course, is when people act irresponsibly and ride shuttlecrafts out into space like their surfboards. Captain, I wish I could punch this man, but I took an oath. Oh, you can punch me if you like. Would you like to punch me, McCrell? Would you like to punch me? You see, again, her fur bristles. <laughs> I'm fine. Oh. So, oh gosh, you know what? I'm so happy about that drink. We're doing much better now. Because <laughs> I can just talk in a minute right now. I gave you the good stuff. <laughs> so, you're here to find out what's going on. Don't let me stop you. I can't wait to see lesser life forms use rudimentary science. It's like getting back to basics. Please. Have at it. Let's continue, Doctor. And with that, he leaps up onto one of the consoles and just lays back and starts to watch. Where can it possibly be comfortable? Oh, I don't have to suffer under the disgusting nature of actually having a physical body. Go on. McCrell's tail twitches. I'm continue. I'm I'm doing a work and okay. talk with Kirk. Um, Meanwhile, the lot of you are in a crash site. The shuttle has impacted on solid ground. Xeo, you find yourself lying on what registers as cool earth almost and as your eyes slowly start to open and focus you find yourself surrounded by light it takes your ocular sensors a moment to start aligning chief you also are finding that you are not where you were moments before you were lying about 10 meters away from the crash the crash looks bad the front part of the worker bee craft looks like it's crumpled in. You can see sparks on the inside of the canopy and what looks like somebody who's trapped between the deck, the, uh, the, con the console and the chair that they're in. It looks like it's smashed in from the impact. Immediately, uh, Tech is gonna jolt up and tap his badge. Uh, Chief Tech to the USS Ross. And it makes that sad, dead chirp Aww. sound when the communicator cannot reach anybody. Exio, as you're pulling yourself up, you and Chief Tech are both starting to notice what the other one is seeing. You are in what looks like some kind of forest or no, not a forest, something else completely surrounded by blue ambient light and bioluminescent fungi growing from the ground up, maybe about a meter to half a meter. 
The tips of all of these fungi seem to be glowing with these brilliant, these this bright bioluminescence of pinks and blues and purples. And some of these biological life looks like they thread up and spiral into almost like tree-like formations. There are these puffballs, these motes of blue light floating gently through the air. And space. It looks like above you, the sky is just deep space and perhaps like the ambient glow of a nebula. It almost looks like if seaweed was swaying and froze in place and began to glow. It's haunting and absolutely breathtakingly beautiful and completely alien. Your ring, Exio, is glowing brilliantly right now. You notice it glows with the same intensity of a lot of the different fungi in this forest that you're surrounded by. That annoys her to her core and echoes uh, Laquette's sentiment without realizing it and just says to herself, Redgraves. And then um, turns back to everyone um, and says, check in, any injuries? Tech is going to uh, scuttle over to where the person was maybe trapped and see a re to report. Okay. As you move over to the shuttlecraft, there is an ensign, Zalia Akarin. She was piloting the, the shuttlecraft. She is currently wedged between the piloting console and the chair that she was sitting in to pilot the worker bee shuttle. It looks like if somebody had a vicious car accident and the steering column was pressing into their chest. Um, Zalia, we're gonna get you out of here. It's gonna be fine. She is unconscious. The other crew member is John Shepard, lieutenant. He was an engineer. He is nowhere to be seen. You don't know where he was, but he was hanging on to the side of the shuttlecraft along with you on the other side. Um, I'm gonna as you move run. through the, this fungi, by the way, it seems like the air reacts to all of you. You see these motes of essence begin to scatter and move around all of you. Does it react the same way to both Exio and myself? Yes, it almost seems aware of your presence. You immediately detect it reacts as though the air itself were alive. As the two of you move through to the shuttlecraft, it kind of scatters away from you. Um, right away, I'm going to start disassembling like the chair and the console. Just anything I can do to loosen okay. the situation. Um, you're actually having trouble opening the side door to that worker bee shuttle. Uh, Exio, if you don't mind, can you get this open yes. by any means? I can try. Uh, is there any any power left in, in, in the, the shuttle? shuttle? Yes, yeah. you can see flickering lights on the inside of the uh, shuttle. Great, I would, very... like, uh, I would like to try and system tap the uh, shuttle to override its door um, to have it open on its own and okay. direct any power towards the door. You'll, so you try to, you're going to try to connect to it remotely? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, which I have a question about because, yeah. you know, you never know with Redgraves, but I'm operating 
at a decent level without any... I mean, I know the ring allows me to operate away from the core, but it, I always imagined it a little bit like cell towers, and I don't know, like, are these just acting like a little bit of cell towers for me right now? You <laughs> don't know, but yeah. I will say this. You have perfect resolution right now. Excellent. Cool. Just going to store that and uh, tap into the ship. Also, to clarify, just for GM purpose, because Tech was outside, I assume he's still in his exosuit. Yes, you, you're okay. still in your back suit, yeah. So you remotely access the computers. I'm going to need you to make a roll. So this is going to be a control engineering check. If you're yeah. operating remotely, may I assist by manually maybe? Punching? Yes, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to say with the damage done to the shuttle, the difficulty of this is going to be four to try to rig that door to open from the outside. But you do have Chief Tech assisting you. So, uh, Tech, it's going to be the same skill set for you. So go ahead and make y'all's roll. The difficulty of this is four. And Does can the you shuttle repeat? roll as well? I'm oh. sorry? Does I the shuttle roll? No, the shuttle's not rolling. The systems are unable to assist. You're basically emergency overriding this. Um, so you're going to roll. It's going to be control engineering. The difficulty is four. We have five momentum. I'm I'd like to buy one. I'm assuming we lose one since this is a be big enough scene change, I, I would think. So we have five. OK, cool. Now four if Gina takes one. OK, cool. Make your roll. And I'm assuming I can use my system tap focus. Mm, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But narratively, I am. Mm, okay. <laughs> Three successes. Two. Okay. I got a crit. Pick crit. <laughs> okay, Yay! D D D D on the inside, and the door goes, and it pops. Ah, we got it. Push up in that door. Um, she is limp in the seat and her head is rolled off to the side. She's unconscious. The, it looks bad, Chief. You're probably going to have to cut her out of that seat. As soon as I get into the shuttle bay, I'm going to reach to the left where the phasers are and just pull one right off the wall uh, and, and start uh, cutting through the metal. The moment the phaser activates... XU, you see those motes of light outside the shuttle react suddenly. And they go, and you see them start moving closer to the shuttlecraft. They begin to swarm towards the shuttlecraft slowly. Whoa, 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 whoa. I stop. They drift onto the surface of the shuttle, some of them touching. They don't look, it looks like the momentum slows when the phaser deactivates, but a few of them start touching the surface of the shuttlecraft. Okay. Should I continue, Commander? Quick look around the thing. Is there anything physical that is not uh, a phaser that could feasibly cut through this? Um, uh, there's there are torch. I mean, Chief Tech I did bring the engineering kits. There are torches in here that are not that are not phasers. Yeah. Sure, but those all 
We'll see. I meant more like a something that could be a knife. Something to cut like that isn't like a physical object, something just sharp. Oh. That isn't uh, If you uh, spend a momentum, we can say yes. Sure. We'll sure. say that um, we'll yeah. Um, so I'll just run and grab it and, and hand it to Chief Tech and say, continue with this for now. I'm going to go crowbar? What? <laughs> she gives you a basic survival kit on board this thing. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, he'll actually take this up close and start treating the wounds then uh, and start uh, meticulously pulling the, the, the panel apart and the seat apart and immediately staunching blood flow or anything like that that might be happening. Okay. Um, um, I'm going to go look for our missing officer. Okay. I would feel much more comfortable continuing this mission of securing all of our personnel. Um, and since you did say that the lights were reacting to us, I want to scan just the surrounding area and mm -hmm. see if any of the light is reacting differently in a different location to indicate maybe there is a body lying there or a person walking around looking for us. Um, okay. Is there anything to notice that the forest is reacting to something that we may not see at the moment? Okay, right. Okay. Um, sec my research here and it's almost like Exio is going to be hesitant about it but is sort of gonna just lean into this because this is all very strange and she doesn't know what's going on and usually fighting it, it just doesn't work so this is she's kind of holding her hand in front of her almost like a compass okay how far do you wander away from the worker bee? Um, I mean, I don't want to lose my other officers sure. looking for a single officer. I just, the intention is, uh, can I drop like a pin at the, at the. You, yeah, you're not going to, you have an excellent sense of direction. You're not going to yeah. lose. Yeah. So I will wander um, a relatively acceptable distance to find a fallen officer. Okay. You're moving through this fungi. This glowing forest, it looks untouched. And as you move past it, um, the motes of light seem to drift after you and follow. Lazily following through the air, Exio. And you're casting your gaze out across this area, looking to see if you can find Lieutenant Shepard anywhere out there. And what starts to happen is in front of you, these motes of light suddenly start to coalesce. And at first you think they are about to pull what they pulled in the shuttlecraft, but instead you see them coalescing into a humanoid form right in front of you. You start hearing the noises of them drifting together. And then and they begin to form, it begins to spread out, a surface begins to grow as these motes of essence begin to, looks like a nervous system begins to form right in front of you and a standing, like standing right in front of you. It looks like a human nervous system branching out and just splicing out in all of its complexity, forming the eye sockets. You see bone begin to form in front of you, it begins to grow 
And then you see cloth begin to form. And as it Be begins to take shape, what's up? Before it's fully formed, um, a quick message back to Chief Tech. Uh, Chief Tech? Go over tech. spores are becoming sentient. Stay on the shuttle and I will report further information. There is no need for hostility or cause for alarm at the moment. Be well. Copy that. <laughs> I, I wait to present myself. <laughs> I'll let you tell me whether or not Exio finds her voice when she sees herself standing face to face with her creator. Redgraves Sorry. is standing in front of you, just like she looked when you left her back in San Francisco. Well, I must say, I wasn't expecting to see you, which is pretty unusual, considering the places you've seemed to pop up in my life. Who are you? How did you I'm... get here? My name is Commander Exio of the USS Ross. Commander USS Ross. You are a Starfleet vessel. I work aboard one, yes. How My... did you find us? A few members of my crew were working and what I can imagine was a subspace anomaly. The reports came in too late, and we crashed here. That's all I remember. How is it that you have that? And she points at the ring you have on your hand. Funnily enough, you, or your form, Gave it to me. Created it for me. Are, Are you Dr. Redgraves? No. Why do you have her form? Commander Exio of the USS Ross, my question to you is why does she have ours? And that, I believe, is the answer. And she points once again at your finger. Are there more of you here? Not like me, but yes. There are fellow officers. Biological. One is missing. Yes. We will help you find him. He is also Starfleet. Yes. This way. And she begins to walk, and the fungi kind of ripples to give her space to move through. As she moves, she says, I cannot pretend to understand how it is that this is all possible. And I don't know exactly how it is you function. It I'm is... a hologram program. Hologram? 
She stops and looks back at you. Yes. Yes, we're familiar with this strange technology. Starfleet has been here before. May I ask where here is? And who you are, if you are not who I know you to be? We are called the Josep. And you stand in what your people have come to call the Mycenaeal Network. It was believed that we would never see you again and that this place was protected. Well, I'm sorry we have intruded. We did not mean to cause offense. I assure you it was an accident. The Mycelial Network has been on the receiving end of Federation accidents before, and other universes as well. What do you know of this place, and has our secret been kept? Let me do a lore check. What does Exio know? Everything. I, I, yes, but that doesn't mean I have access to it. You do. I Exio. do? When she asks that of you, all of the sudden, the information comes it unlocks in your head the moment she asks you. You are in a subspace dimension that connects all known multiverses. This is a space between every single universe that exists. It is like the nervous system, the blood flow between. You are aware of everything Aww. that happened. This place exists as a strange biological like source of organic life functioning on a level that is unheard of. The USS Discovery was the first Starfleet vessel to discover this network. You immediately become aware of the name Stanitz. You become aware of the tardigrade. You start getting all of this information opening up in your head. The spore drive, a lost technology that the Federation used. You've never even heard of the U.S. This Discovery as it's being presented to you in the information that you have right now. It's contradicting the information you have that is relevant to what the history of Starfleet does not record a spore drive. It does not record a USS Discovery. You know that it was used to instantaneously travel like FTL speeds across the galaxy. The USS Discovery had the capacity to use a spore drive to instantaneously teleport anywhere much faster than even transwarp drive was capable of, of traveling. This place is a precious zone that is easily corrupted and tainted. And its long history becomes, a, you become aware of it immediately. You also become aware of things that you didn't realize you knew either. All those weird contradictions you've been learning about Redgraves starts to coalesce in your mind and you begin to become aware that she's passed through this this network in fact the mycelial network seems to be her point of origin you don't know how you know that but as you're looking at the ring you begin to become re you begin to realize that spore technology is powering the information network inside of this prototyped ring which means 
you accidentally unlocked the mycelial network for the very first time in well over a hundred years, purely by stumbling upon the door. You were no longer in the universe you knew and you realized to your horror, you have no idea how to get back. But it all comes flooding in. You are a piece of technology born from the mycelial network. Organic life being used to create new sapient AI in almost a full circle of life begetting life begetting life. Exio, the, the information um, download um, manifests as literally her almost sort of gray, like a slight brownout um, as, as she kind of stumbles as all this information starts processing. Um, and she stumbles and then um, doesn't remember what questions she was asked. And you, she just says, I was born from the blood of the universe? No, the blood of all universes. I remember everything now and things that aren't even yet to become unless so many names I've never heard, which is pretty common for me, but it feels different this time. <laughs> it's such a data moment where you're like, which is actually pretty common for me. <laughs> um, you don't have all the answers yet, but you are now aware, Exio, that Redgraves is not, just as you've been starting to suspect, Redgraves is definitely not from your universe. She is from some other universe, and you are aware that she passed through the mycelial network to get to the universe that you are in. Did she replace another Redgraves? Or I mean, these are all things she has said. She said she came from another world. She said she came from another universe. She said she came from the future. She said she came... All of the things. But... 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 Mm, we know the how now, but we don't know the why. It can't be just that... It, it would be irresponsible to believe that someone's entire actions are, are based just to keep me alive. Can it? Seems entirely selfish to think that way. I just de devalued that in myself. <laughs> so we did take her form. You see, this spore creature seems to realize as the Josep looks at you. We are remembering this now. We have a memory of her passing through. This is her body. Strange. How did we not know that? We thought she took our form. Well, um... Considering I occasionally have information dumps that unlock with random key phrases, it's possible she may have altered your genetic programming. Hmm, <laughs> if such a thing were possible. And you hear a scream in the distance. 
<laughs> turns and looks and says, we found your lieutenant. Oh, uh, she was just about to gesture her to, to herself as if like, if only that were possible. Like, <laughs> hello. Um, 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 but then she just runs towards the the, the, the way of the screaming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, run towards the screaming. Uh, well, sort of shouting. Um, it, it was it a lieutenant was the rank of Shepard. Yeah. Uh, just shouting, uh, Lieutenant Shepard, command yet, Commander Exio is on the way. <laughs> um, okay. Because um, <laughs> I don't know if he just got spooked by you know sentient fungus talking to him. Funny you should ask. What you actually see is a human male running through the thick of this bioluminescent fungi with a swarm of spores following after him, just going, ah, 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 Commander, Commander, just running towards you, panicking. Calm yourself, it is okay. It can corrode metal, it was eating my suit. It was breaking it down to his base substance. The oh. Red Graves looks at you and says, we've stopped, there's no need to panic. And I just, thank goodness, I told Tech to stop. Um, and uh, she just, thank you. Um, Lieutenant Shepard, can you please follow us? Most, some answers are being figured out, but we still don't know how to get back to the Ross, so we should get back to the shuttle as soon as possible. The Ross, that's the ship in your universe. Yes. There is a being that communicates with us through the mycelial network that could find which reality you come from. They themselves are connected to multiple universes. Oh, really? We can take you to where we speak to them. Sure. Exio, you must promise you and your crew and anyone you trust must promise never to reveal the mycelial network to the rest of Starfleet. Not again. I swear it. But... There are others that are using your network, and you don't seem to remember how to keep this place locked? How can we be sure that keeping this place a secret is for the safety of everyone if people are using it behind your back? That seems to get her thinking. <laughs> she reacts to that and says, we don't know. We can't let this place be corrupted again. If the network dies, all life dies. I think you will believe me when I say I have a personal vested interest in making sure that this place does not fall to ruin. Let us get the rest of your crew we apologize, but we will have to digest your shuttle. I believe it doesn't have much power left anyway, so it's all yours. Then we shall go, and then I shall take you to the one who can help you. And she walks past you, leading you back towards your worker bee shuttle. Apparently, right. 
Shepard looks at you and just, Commander? This will be an interesting debrief, Lieutenant Shepard. Um, yes, Commander. Let's just focus on getting home, shall we? Aye, sir. And falls in step behind you. Meanwhile, back on the Ross. What is going on in the holodeck right now? I punched him. He's, okay, so then <laughs> as the scene comes back up on the holodeck, you see this huge bruising welt, and he's poking at it going, ow. Hmm. I guess I do have a physical body when I'm like this. How obnoxious. I didn't mean it to happen that way. I'm getting quite creative these days. I immediately, uh, <laughs> I immediately, like, ad administer medical care, but... <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Don't touch me, feline creature. I'm quite capable of healing this myself. I am not a feline. Well. I punch him again. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. You know what? We have more important things to do. Uh, I, could, I could do this all night. but <laughs> You go full Captain America on him. Yeah. I could do this all night. Hashtag not a cat. <laughs> It is slightly distracting happening behind you, but what are you doing, Captain, right now? What are you, what are you pulling up? The blueprints on the ring? Yep, everything uh, that we got, everything we were working on. Um, obviously, I'm sending it up to LeCat, uh, but we're a little thinner on engineers than I would like. Uh, so Reporting to the holodeck is a desperate-looking Ensign Dari who steps in and goes, Captain, reporting is ordered. What can I do for you, Captain? We are going to figure out how to use whatever sensor data science gives us, and then we're going to build something. And I don't know what it is that we're building yet, but we're going to find it. And then that is going to bring back your chief Chief is going to come back? Yep. And my XO and the whole team, that's what we are going to do. Sounds Step like aside. a plan, Anson? <laughs> Doesn't let you finish and then kind of pushes you aside a little bit and stops yourself and goes, I'm sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. I'm sorry, sir. Um, up, as you ordered, Captain. Yes. Chief Strangey, well. Lacat, what do you have for us? Okay, Lacat. Okay. In the past 15 minutes, you and uh, it's actually you, Olin, and the Jashashian doctor have been working together to try to see if you can detect any presence of the crew that's out there. The engineering crews have all been recalled in emergency back to the ship. They're on board again, and sensor sweeps have been going out there. You, Olin, are frustrated in that you, you're not sensing the presence of anyone. It's like they just blinked out of existence. They vanished. I'm afraid I'm not going to be of much help. I can't even feel them out there. That's not good. Um... No, it is most certainly not. I'm used to uh, having a very cute sense about these things. Um, and I am not pleased. If we had 
some kind of unique energy signature. Maybe the shuttlecraft warp. No, this, if, it's a, if it's a worker bee, it doesn't have a... Uh, if, if, if it... Um, well, if some kind of unique energy signature, we could, we could possibly trace it in subspace? Well, if it's the ring that caused this, wouldn't the ring be the yeah. signal we'd want to lock onto? Uh, technology. So, can we try tracing that ring? You're going to need uh, Insandari and the captain down in the holodeck to find out how to locate that power source. But if you are successful in that role, Captain, you and Insandari, yes, you will get the energy signature that you could require to track that signal across 75 light years. Woo! Um, like teamwork is the is the call today. All those dance lessons. Uh, uh, can, can I assist with my focus in martial arts as I punch Q? To <laughs> the captain, for, to keep him from distracting the captain. It adds morale. It's effectively, it's a rally action. Since I do not, I will. I am pretty much useless here unless it has any. Unless it has yeah, anything to do with life forms. All right, as Q is getting punched, but she would love to hear that sound. Well, I mean, you could. She wants to basically call the captain and basically be like, hey, we're going to try and track that ring signature, but we need your help to do it. Um, can you go look at the original core to see if there's any way that we can, um, you know, like backtrack from there. Um, so basically it's, it's kind of what you guys were already doing. Um, Dari's going to make a roll then. Yeah. Right. Okay. So Dari's going to make the roll and you want to assist or do you want it to be the other way around? Um, I think I'm good for it because I've specifically been doing stuff on Axios ring and I have the experimental technology focus. That's true. Okay. What's the difficulty on it? <laughs> uh, for a second, I thought you called her Echo. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no, just because Gina has a type in the names <laughs> she's doing. Like, Goose appears this. and says, I want to help. <gasps> I do um, get stuck on letters when naming sometimes. <laughs> I feel that. I, I have to like, actively work. Anyway. Okay, so the difficulty of this is not going to be easy. It's going to be a four difficulty, but the Ross is going to be able to help, and Daria is going to be able to help. This is a control engineering role, but Captain, because of your familiarity with Exio, I'm going to let you use your engineering skill as a specialty. You are familiar with the ring, so in this role, you will basically be able to act as if you have a focus. I do have a focus. In the ring? In the ring technology? I have experimental technology, yeah. I took it specifically for Axios Ring. Oh, right the fuck on. Okay, look yeah. at you, sorry. My, this is, she's, she's my crew. Captain, being a big badass here. All right. Um, all right, so. I mean, if you want to give me more buffs or something, I won't be mad. <laughs> and uh, right, Ross so has computer engineering as well. Mm -hmm. Ross is going to roll. This is going to, mm, this is going to be computers and engineering. The difficulty of four, and I'm going to roll for Dari, and here we go. Right. Um, I'm going to take momentum just to have the extra die. I'm also going to use determination. I will do anything for my crew. Okay. Let's see. Ten. Dari's got a success. Uh, that's three plus the two from determination, so a total of five from self. And one from Ross. 
You feed the information up to the sensor platform. You see that data coming in, LaCat, and you now have what you need to start scanning for Exio's ring to see if you can detect it, either in or out of subspace in 75 light years. So go ahead and make the roll, and the difficulty is five. Even with high-resolution sensors, this is a tough roll. A moment to take it. I have family as all as one of my values. Absolutely would count here, yes. Okay, great. So I'd like to go ahead and use that. And then great use of a die right now. You're gonna make you're gonna get me misty-eyed here. Okay. The Ross is going to use uh, sensor science. Let's also use some of the overflow momentum to create an advantage. Uh, knows what, like, know what we're looking for. Okay. Yeah, to reduce the difficulty by one. Amazing. Um, and then I'm going to use one of those momentums, I think, as Aki suggested to yeah. get some today as well. I endorse this. Yeah. We're gonna be fine, folks. Well, maybe. Um, okay, so that's two successes. So that's plus a your determination. Four. That's a four. That's a four, and then plus my family is all. No, 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 no. Yeah, I was like, when no, you notice. Uh, uh. What'd you roll? No. no. I was like, does like, someone have the thing? Does someone have the thing about the re-rolling the ship thing? That was a thing, right? Wait, wait, technical expertise. When it comes to uh, sensors, you can re-roll. I have Including that. Including the ship guy. Yes. That's the thing about it. Re-roll it. Re-roll it. Wait, wait, wait. Yes, no. GM, what you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> because Lark Sage had that too. Use it. What is it? So I, technical expertise. Yes, it's technical expertise, which is a talent of mine, which is basically like if I'm using my high sensor scanners, um, I can re-roll if, if it goes badly. Including that the ship style. Including the ship assist? Yes. It, it's one of the few talents that says that specifically. It's the it's like the one talent where you can re-roll the ship's die. If it's I, the sensors and I rolled I rolled a natural twenty, but I re-rolled and I got a nine, so I have a success. Roster <laughs> 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 understands what's important. Family is all. Family is all. You had the right focus. And the right talent to push the two of the two of you reading that sensor data readout. The Ross sends out pulses in subspace. 10, 15 minutes pass as you do a deep space sensor sweep. When finally, 15 minutes later, you detect the energy signature of Exio's ring on a planet about at warp eight, about 10 minutes away from Ross's current location. Just, just 10 minutes. At warp just, eight. Um, still just 10 minutes. Um, it's far away at warp eight. That's yeah, all. Yeah, right. yeah, but l l Lieutenant to, to the captain. What have you got, the cat? I think we found them. 10 minutes away, warp eight, and I don't think we should go any slower. Salt of run. I hear you, Captain. Just give me the order. Gun it. Engaging warp drive. Ross's engines come to life as she begins to back away and move and thrust her pulse away from the location of where that subspace anomaly was. 
The nacelles explode into a furious blue, electrical blue, as she just jumps to warp eight. Subtract eight power from the USS Ross. She can take it. I assume we were topped off at the start of the episode, right? Yeah. Back to the mycelial network. Y'all are walking through this thick gathering of fungi. Tech, you are currently cradling uh, the ensign, Zayla Akaran, who this whole time has been clutching her midsection and over and over, she is saying to you, is the symbiont okay? Is the symbiont okay? And I'll pull out the, a medical tricorder because there's a med kit on the sh shuttle for sure. Okay. As and you start to scan her, as you're helping her move through, um, without having to roll, the symbiont looks like it's probably been injured. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like it's critical, but she's going to require medical attention. We're going to um, get back yeah. to the Ross and we're going to get you into sick bay and Dr. McCrell's going to fix you right up. That console went right into her abdomen. So the currently that symbiont got a really unwelcome contact with the, the physiology of, of the trill. And she's just, okay, okay, okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. I'll administer any dermal regenerators that we have too, to try to patch up as much as possible. As you round a crest, what is like a gentle slope, you see the woman or the creature, this being that has called itself the Jusep points over to an area where the mycelial network seems to shift and change colors into a darker greenish looking color, which is a little bit different than the rest of the mycelial network. However, you're still seeing those glowing like spores uh, budding out from the life and the fungi that have grown there. Um, she approaches it and the lot of you stand before uh, this little space and look up and she says, we've sent out the call. Just a moment. The Ross leaves warp. <laughs> As you guys come out of warp, LaCat, you're detecting a system. Um, looks like there's only two planets in the system. One is a rock in space and the one that is detected life at looks like an incredibly in un inhospitable world. Go ahead and roll your sensors. Great. Make the sensors check and Ross can make the assist. Two? Two successes, yeah. Two successes and Ross did, okay, cool. Yeah, that's, that's plenty, it's easy. That's a zero difficulty as you scan. Look at the farthest planet away from the sun is a hellscape. It is a frigid world filled with ice and acid rain. It is a sub-zero continent. Save for near the pole, there is a globe of livable, breathable air that has formed in a pocket near one of the poles. Huh. And it's teeming with life. Yeah, it's almost like a. <laughs> she almost takes a one, like the first look at the planet. It's like, well, if they landed there, they're dead. Let me check the other one. But no, and then she notices the the yeah. other. Yeah, and, and it's like, oh. With and your with your specialization, 
it's yeah. teeming with plant life. It looks yeah. like some kind of fungi or some kind of plant life, but it's, it should not exist on this world. And it looks like it's formed in a small pocket, a completely breathable atmosphere. And yeah. it, it literally like from space, you can see straight. It's like looking into the eye of a hurricane. You can see straight down through the column and onto the surface of the world where you just see this glowing garden through the sensor scans from above. She like taps it on our console and it's like strange. As it brings it up on the view screen, Captain, assuming you're on the bridge now, by the way, Q appearing on the bridge at the near behind at the back of the bridge is watching. Um, Plus are being, ignore them. Hmm, charming. <laughs> uh, Vryn is looking at the screen just going, what is that? I have no clue. And I want to find out after we get everyone back. Exio, as all of you are standing at this patch of like glowing fungi, you and Tech become aware of like a humming sound. It sounds like a woman humming. It's melodic and sweet, almost like a nursery rhyme. Is that you, the Jessup? No. It is the one. The one made in one of your universes. You see, forming in front of you, you begin to watch. As plant life begins to swarm up and grow and emerge into this being made of what looks like organic material. You hear this distant haunting melody. It sounds like a nursery rhyme, like something somebody would sing to their child. But it has this faintly echoing quality, like it was a recording made for somebody. And here in the mycelial network, it echoes out. You can feel it pulsing out throughout the mycelial network. It's a song that to you just sings of hope and love. You don't understand what the words are, but this being forms in front of you. And Redgraves looks at you and says, they will guide you to the proper path. They have helped many travelers who have wandered into the network unintended. What do I call them? They call themselves Genesis. Genesis it is. Before you go and before we return um, to where we belong, may I stay in contact with you if I find a way back? I don't know. Well, I encourage you to stay in contact with me. I, I know you have mistrust in the Federation, but I can assure you everyone aboard my ship is admirable. And with that, she begins to break down into spore. 
right in front of you. Yeah, Zadis. She just begins to break apart. <laughs> you see, you see uh, the ensign. She goes, that would be beautiful if this wasn't so painful. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get you Hold soon. on. Let's follow our guide. We're almost home. Lead the way. This being that stands over you, a towering 11 feet, and there's a moment of pause, and you hear, you are Starfleet officers. Yes. I mean, uh, Chief of Engine, you know, we won't get into it right now, but yeah. It extends a hand, reaches out to you. You see five fingers begin to form out of bark, a very familiar plant. And as it touches you, it says, yes. I know the universe that you are from. I will guide you back. At least you are not traveling in a strange blue box like the last ones. And thank you. It was my mother's. How could you, Eric? I follow, we follow, we follow. The energy signature of Exio's ring explodes to life on the sensors as you suddenly are detecting the life signs of Chief of Exio's power source. You detect the other two crew members on the surface. We've got them. We've suddenly got them. Appearing. Oh my God. Uh, let's, let's get a lock on them immediately. Sorry. Sing, get them. I've got them, Captain. Energizing now. The moment you all step out, you have a brief moment where you enter into this world that looks like a garden of Eden. But around you, just outside the barriers of this portal-like area, as you leave the mycelial network and step back into your universe, there's this jolting sense that you've traveled so far in just a single step. And emerging from this portal way and the plant goes and folds down and this garden around you is untouched by this hellish storm of acid rain that you were all seeing crash down upon these mountains made of ice but straight up through the clouds you can see the crystal black view of space and then an energy as you were all beamed onto the transporter pad when that happens um, Dr. Ugas loses it, grabs you by the shoulder of the cat and goes, we got them, we got them, we did that, we did the thing, and just starts kind of shaking you a little bit. And That's amazing. Sorry. I'm sorry, Lieutenant. Oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. And she's like laughing too. And like, I think that she's got her hands on his shoulders too to like also steady herself. But she's, she, she's laughing. And she's like, oh my God, I do not want to be the one to tell Prawl what he missed. <laughs> Prawl, who went straight to a 10 forward, has no idea. Um, oh I will God. say, as soon as Tech hits the transporter pad, he's on comms. Uh, tech to Dr. McCrow, we need to have a, an emergency. We need to get uh, Ensign Karen into sickbay immediately. Uh, and McCrell was already like on her way to the transporter room as it happened. So as you were saying that, walks in the room, yes. <laughs> and I'm going to take you. her. And take her to sickbay for her symbiont. 
We're gonna... I, as soon as I knew that we had them, I knew that yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to meet them. We're going to cut to you having left straight to the to sickbay. Um, it's going to be Captain Sull and Olin meeting the away team as they're stepping off the transporter pad in transporter room one. They've just materialized on the transporter pads. Blip. That wasn't in the mission briefing. <sighs> Exio just kind of sort of exhaustion staggers toward you. And Olin, you feel exhaustion wafting off of Exio like not in a bad way, just when you get told a lot of really intense things and then you just sort of have the aftermath hangover. Um, and But her eyes are locked with you, Captain. And, um, and she just says, Oh, that your frowns would teach my smiles such skills, Captain. We're safe. And she puts her hands on your cheeks. <laughs> I gather you into a hug. And if one hug could be wet, your <laughs> hair would be. And for Full everyone hug. else in the room, I failed a Chloros check, so everyone feels all the relief and love in here okay. that I do right now. So Dari runs up to you, Chief. <clears throat> as you're stepping off the pad and taking off your helmet and she goes bastard and she slugs you hard in the arm and tech just takes a second looks back with tears in his eyes and said i missed you too and grubs her into an uh, and hug. she hugs you back awesome <laughs> and olin you are overwhelmed you yeah <laughs> you, i would say before you you feel of an emotional uh, wave, and then without letting go of the captain, you do feel Exio's hand like clasp your shoulder, uh, uh, just just so that you're not only feeling the emotion from everyone, but that you're part of it. Mm -hmm. Olin actually at this point sort of reaches over and like gently pats Exio's hand and extracts themselves from the room. And okay. when they get out of the doors, they immediately like lean over and place their hands on their knees. Like they're going to be physically ill for a moment. Mm -hmm. And then like just beeline for their quarters. Okay. And as you take off towards your quarters, The last scene of the episode are the officers of the USS Ross and Chief Singh staring at all of you with this big smile on his face and water gathering at the, at the edge of his eyes as he's watching you. At this moment in time, it's family right now, crew and family, and echoes of a far distant family who still live on. Lakat, you see 
the sensor data read as the clouds close up and that hidden garden once again become hidden. And that is where we end tonight's episode. Damn you, Eric. How dare you? It was Doctor <laughs> Who crossover. It was it was Doctor Who day today. Oh, it was everything day today. The moment you start, I really thought it was going to be um, Q was their go-between. Because I was like, yeah, that makes sense. It's Q. Of course it's Q. And then the moment you started describing the freaking lullaby, I knew instantly. When Discovery introduced the mycelial network and I saw the work that we had created. I have it was no too idea beautiful. what you're talking about. I have no idea what I'm talking about either. I'm sure it's some nonsense from How some dare universe. you? How dare I... you hurt us with something we don't understand or know or possibly? It took me way too long to figure out what was going on and I'm so ashamed of myself. That's because this time I made damn sure to be as vague as I could up until the moment of contact <laughs> because y'all are clever buggers and y'all are used to like, y'all are used to like knowing exactly what my tells are now because we've been gaming together for three years. I was it has doing been the zero days since Eric's last time, Shanann. I used my Sherlock senses and I did the happy dance. I, I saw you out. figuring it out. I was Bonnie. like, oh, oh, but I didn't know how, I didn't know what to do. Yep. I just danced. Um, that's going to do it for us tonight here on Clear Skies. Thank you all so much for being a part of that family and for coming with us on these journeys. We love you so much. We will see you next time. Until then, my friends, hailing frequencies are closed. <laughs>